Just a few film nerds breaking out of a rut Drooling over cinema that's hard and uncut Stick us in your ear, thrill to this month's picks And come and listen in, we're Measuring Flicks Hello everyone, welcome to Measuring Flicks, the movie uh, appreciation podcast that plays favorites. I'm Carl Hartley. And I'm Max Peterson. And dude, you almost had it. I got like 98% (laughs) of it. I was like, are we a movie appreciation podcast or a film appreciation? Uh, I mean, it says says here we're a film appreciation podcast. Ah, That's that's bullshit. Yeah, when you haven't seen the movie that you're talking about for four months, uh, you become just a movie. You just become a podcast at that point. the, 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 The vague memory of a movie you watched some time ago podcast. Yes. Welcome to Reminiscent Corner with uh, Max and Carl. Hi, listeners. <laughs> Welcome to the Old Notes channel. Yeah, yeah, where Carl and I try and remember what the fuck we were talking about when we wrote down these notes all those mm. months ago. And um, we've had a we've had, we've had a full almost two hour conversation so far about the movie that we're talking about today, <laughs> of which I remember. Basically None nothing. of either. Yeah, yeah. I'm really excited to see how these two mash up because the first oh, one was like, great. yes, Charles Chaplin and he overclocked. I remember that. We were talking about how he yeah. overclocked his footage and oh, yeah. these techniques that are no longer usable. And now where my brain's at is I'm like, holy shit, man, he made that movie, huh? And I got more Gosh. notes about it, eh? Look at this. Sure two, do. It's, this note says it's me at every restaurant everywhere. I, guess. I have one that says something about a new Ford V8 for 1935 as a billboard that was somehow interesting to me in this movie. Well, I mean, honestly, you just did a Ford commercial, so you, oh, that's true. You so doing... I have Ford on the mind. You saw you saw the brand pop up, and you're like, I could have done like, a commercial oh, better than this I... Charles Chaplin movie. Listen, listen to this Ford voice over here. All right, so listeners, we've been gone for months and months. If you listened mm-hmm. to the last episode that I posted, uh, you know why. Um, Basically, a whole shitload of bad stuff happened, and it really took up a lot of my time and my brain, and literally all of my energy. Mm-hmm. And I didn't even have—I didn't even have the capability to do this episode from a technical standpoint until today. Literally, it took me an hour to get every get the uh, all the streaming stuff set up that would be required to do an episode. I've just—I've been busy, but. Things are kind of settling down. Life mm-hmm. is kind of we're kind of finding a, a what the new rhythm of life is going to be for the next five six months here. Yep. And uh, and I I've found more space in that schedule and some of that space I would really I I need something like this I need the show again so we, yeah, we're man. carving out some time today. So what you're going to hear today and the next episode after this is Carl and I wrapping up a month of movies that we started fucking like. A thousand uh, years ago, I, I, I believe it was 2021. No, we no, were in the twos. Yeah, it was we were like 22. I think we recorded the first couple in like January or February. We hit one more yeah. in March, and then shit went off the rails That's on right. a personal level for for me. But so yeah. what you're gonna hear is two loosey goosey episodes as Carl and I basically just talk to each other about movies, knocking the dust off, just uh, catching yeah. up with with that with the two. I'm catching up with Max. Max catching up with me, and right. we. Are catching up with you with the all listener. Of you. yeah so the, the structure because like, a lot has happened uh yeah, you know won't. just everywhere the structure <laughs> and the insightful all the insightful comments the that high quality Expect movie that commentary. later yeah these not are, necessarily not these today. ones no no not no these, not, no 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 <laughs> um but let's let's do a couple things really quick let's yeah. do some housekeeping because we have oh, been man. gone for 
months. So it's been since before the wine club shipment officially started, and I'm tying the ribbon on it now. Yes, I love. So that's at least two months. I love clocking your life by like. Uh, well, that's before, what, like before wine club and after wine club, you know, that's how I clock my life. Yeah. You're, you're always a little different after you get through the other, the other I side know. of it. <laughs> yeah. Um, what are you, what are you working on? Let's do some, a little bit of housekeeping. So All right, what are, so what are you working on right now? Personal projects or just two, hobbies two and big, shit? Sure. Yeah. So two big things, uh, uh three big things, uh, only three, mm-hmm. uh, did finish moon Knight, and it continued to be some of the best television I've ever seen. That whole series is fucking incredible, mm-hmm. and I will be going back to that well over and over again. It's going to be a regular watch probably twice a year because it's short, too. It's like six or seven episodes. Yeah. But every one, every single episode is crunchy and has so much going on. Have you gotten past the pilot episode? Have yeah, you we, gotten any Bird further? Yeah, we and I are, I want to say we're three episodes deep, but okay. um, we did incorporate, we went back and now we're watching the old, the the Defender saga. So we made it through Daredevil Beautiful. season one together. <laughs> Bird fucking <laughs> loved so, it. So good. Dude, Darede- the first season of Daredevil is incredible. And then now yeah. we are, I want to say seven or eight episodes into Jessica Jones. Marvelous. Uh, so we've been watching them in the, in the like watch through order rather than just doing daredevil one two three if you watch them in a specific order the The defenders are actually important to do in in the order they recommend totally like if you there's so much interweaving of story right like you get your introduction to luke cage through jessica jones like each each defenders uh like season or series introduces and sets up characters that are coming later so it's like karen page is like the sort of through line in at least two of the shows punisher and daredevil yeah she she hooks up or connects to the punisher storyline in daredevil season two which comes after jessica jones so we're watching through that and we're every every once in a while you know because spoilers the i won't spoil the villain in jessica jones is if you haven't seen it is one of the scariest villains in all of the marvel universe played by don't say it because they they really don't show you dude they just give you like his voice (sighs) and his profile for like five episodes and then finally you see his face okay yeah yeah, but um the villain the it's the purple man if you've read the brian michael bendis alias comics but he's fucking scary so every once in a while bird will like take bird and i'll take a an episode off and that's when we go and watch moon knight which is you're totally right is incredible um oscar isaac is the best thing i've seen him do especially when you get into the last like third when you when you get into the third act of the show which is like the last probably two right and a half episodes uh-huh. like he does oh man because because you know moon knight when he's transitioning between personalities mm. there is magic happening there that i can't even it's two separate people truly like watching Three. that performance. Well, I haven't gotten. It, does, okay, fair. <laughs> does he al- does he also voice the actual god and stuff, or is that a different person? No, that's a different person. But uh, but there's the going to be another personality. Yeah. Shit. Well, well okay. Have, yeah, I don't know. know if you oh, you if you haven't read the comic. I'm sorry. That's a big spoiler. But I haven't. No. But anyone that's read the comic is like, where's where's this? <laughs> and right. then by the end, uh, you go, oh, there's her. <laughs> there's <laughs> from, from, well, I. They, they tease it. I don't want to say any more than that. Obviously With bated breath, I wait for <laughs> to make his for her, 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 her to make his very important. Commu- so you have two so other big uh, things, though. Two other big things. I I'm finally like getting the energy and like brain space to get back into painting all the miniatures for all the games that I have, mm-hmm. and a lot of it, it comes down like I finally found some of the right tools that make it like 
easier to do like instead of using a super cheap brushes i found a couple like middle of the road brushes that actually have really good points and tips and like and so that's just finding the right tools to make it not a struggle where it's actually fun right where it's not like i'm not fighting a battle against you know cheap paints and cheap brushes where i'm like all right i'm gonna spend the 30 dollars on the nice paint set that you and ten dollars on a nice brush and now i'm like look at the fucking difference this makes i thought it was me like no it's the you didn't have enough pigment in your paints so yes, dude. When, when Bird was. and i first got together and i was like buying presents for her for like anniversaries and birthdays and shit i used yeah. to get her I, I still do but i used to get her like um like art supplies and i'd get her stuff yeah. and she'd be like oh my god tell me you didn't waste money on this and i'd be like what it's a it, there's 10 brushes in there and she's like no, you need to be thinking about it as like you're buying me one brush, but it's a really excellent like sable head yeah. brush, you know. Yeah. Or yep. like I bought you this paint set. There's a hundred paints in there. Think about all the art. She's like, no, no, you buy paint one pigment one at, a at a time. Yeah, dude. Yeah. So she really like reframed how I think about art supplies, and it's it really is like, do you buy the muffler that's discounted yeah. and already has rust well, on it, or? <laughs> A bird would probably know. I bought three brushes. I spent sixteen dollars a piece on. They're Windsor and Newton yep. sable head brushes. The, a zero, a one, and a two, and yep. it's got me covered on micro detail coverage, layering, and base coating. It's like those three brushes cost like thirty five dollars. Right, dude. But it's but Windsor I'll, and Newton. Bird loves it's Windsor that Newton. brand. I'm going to have those brushes for five years. Right. <laughs> <Yeah>. Cheap ones <laughs> run out. The fucking shit all phrase. Anyway, so that. That's what I'm doing, and mm-hmm. I also am. Uh, I just got the word that I am officially cast in the new mashup that's happening this summer, which is a uh, Midsummer California, a Midsummer Cali, California. Okay, hold on, a Ca- California Midsummer <laughs> Night's Dreaming, something like that. Oh, it's a Midsummer okay. Night's Dream mashed up with the, the Beach Papas? Boys and the Mamas and the Papas. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay, dude, that yeah. sounds fun. Any excuse to get a little bit of uh, sunshine tunage from the yeah, 60s, man. definitely. And uh, I can't say uh, aloud yet what parts, uh, what part I have. Um, but Just make it Dennis it Wilson. Was That's all to, I want. It's going to be similar to what I did in the last production of Midsummer Night's Dream that I did. Uh, but Is that how you got cast? Is they remembered well, that performance and kind of, and they also genius what you did in that, dude. Thank you were you. really good in Midsummer Night's Dream. Thank you. I really bottom was one of my favorite things I've ever done. <laughs> bottom and Pyramus, man. Oh my Those god, dude, it was like fantastic. piss your pants, funny. Oh, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> so they auditioned um, a beautiful woman named Danielle for the troupe, who also got cast. Happens to share the same last name as me. Interesting. And she, you guys should get married. You wouldn't even have to do any paperwork. We, we would. So <laughs> the Leslie and Tony did something very cool with the casting of Bottom, Bottom Pyramus, mm-hmm. and Flute Thisbe. I was going to make and a really distasteful say. mamas and papas joke, but I'm not going to because I'm better Fair. than that now. <laughs> I appreciate you. So those are the big things. I got a new show I'm doing. Uh, picked up the painting hobby again. Of course, board game is just like I'm fucking surrounded, You're man. You're drowning I can't in them, stop. dude. I can every time can't you move stop. your head, I see that whole bookshelf behind you. It's fucked up how many board games yeah, you whole, have, dude. Whole other bookshelf over there. Yeah, yeah. I'm looking the, at just your Lord of the Rings expansion packs, and I'm like, so this this little um behind me, that's one of those shoe caddies that you put on yeah, the back yeah, of your yeah. door, hanging over the back. Of those the door. are all small box board games. <sighs> in there oh like right yeah ramen like, fury and some like escape the, room yeah stuff. yeah exactly okay, yeah, okay. exactly <laughs> i have a fucking problem 
Not at all. All right, so that's it. That's what that's what I'm doing. What do you What are you doing these days? What I've been doing lately, um, obviously, aside from hanging out with my mom and doing cooking and doing all that sort of stuff, uh, I have been working out like a crazy fucking maniac because that is really helping my mental health a bunch. So I've gotten I've gotten like way back into calisthenics. So I'm doing tons of awesome calisthenics stuff. I got a set of Olympic rings, like the gymnastics rings. Yeah. So I was like, I'm like, I need a, I have no pull up bar. So pulling exercises are really hard to incorporate. I can do pushes anywhere, but pulls are difficult if you don't have yeah. a bar. So I'm like, well, I, don't, I can't set up a bar, but I could throw some gymnastic rings over any one of these tree branches. So now I'm doing like, I'm that guy. I'm that crazy dude in the backyard doing fucking like gymnastics progressions on his gym, gymnast rings as his dogs run around and the charcoal grill is smoking. I and love it. It's, it's very uniquely me, I think. Um, I see the boxing gloves in the back too. I've also been boxing a little bit, just just mostly shadow boxing and and working on technique and form because yeah. I no unfortunately no partner until September. But dude, we're right. gonna, we'll go hard at it then. We're gonna go hard. Oh shit! And that's my my whole workout journey has been fits and starts, dude. Like yeah. like I I went to go running and my gout came back, but now I'm on medication for that, so that's getting better. And then I went back to like getting back into shape, and then I got fucking COVID again. So yeah, I'm like, was... this is just stupid as shit i didn't want to bring it up necessarily but like you and you and d just recently went through a bout of the old the old covid well the old rona this is your second time second time and let me tell you uh second time not as fun as the first time uh worse eh this one put me down really hard and now i have residual like lung i have a hard time taking a full breath in I was playing board games with Chris Fieldhouse a couple nights ago, and he's like, man, you sound like you just ran up a flight of stairs. I'm like, yeah, yeah I know. <laughs> so uh, hopefully that'll get worked out. But like, I'm like, yeah, man, I want 10 months to a year of like really tough working out to get into shape for this boxing picture we want to do. So Right, right. Yeah, we have some projects coming down the pipe a little bit later on. We would have been we would be talking about them today, but the uh this new like personal stuff with my family is kind of adjusting yeah. the schedule so we're gonna wait we'll till get we know there. more yeah and then we'll yeah. tell you we'll tell you what we're doing there yeah. um the other thing that i've been doing is i've been writing some of the things that we're gonna shoot in the future i've been actually getting back to outlining stuff and doing scripts but the yeah, yeah. biggest thing that i've been doing is i've been watching fucking 2022's the batman like once a day for like five days in a row i saw I've, your text and I, I realized now that i never responded holy, to that because no, i haven't did. seen it yet you, oh you, i did you did hit me back and you're like i'll watch it eventually but if you guys have not seen the new robert pattinson batman if you've seen the memes and you're like oh it's a new darker blah 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 ignore all of that this i'll just i'll just i know i'm i'm infamous for hyperbole on this show but i kid you not i've seen that movie i've owned it for like maybe a week week and a half and I've seen it six times, and it's three hours long. And I've watched okay. it six fucking times. The first day All I right. saw it, I watched it twice back to back. Um, I'll I'll say this with no doubt in my mind, having just rewatched because Bird and I just we've been watching all the Batman movies, so I've seen them all in the last yeah. month. The Christian Bale ones, all the old ones. The new Batman movie is by far, hands down, far and away the best Batman movie ever made. Period. There's not a single shadow of a doubt in my mind. And then also, 
I would no fucking shit put this movie in maybe in my top five solidly. When you said that you have to rewatch Hereditary and Midsummer, I have to, to rewatch sure them. that it hasn't like and Mandy and to Mandy. make sure that they're secure. I'm not even positions. kidding you. The new Batman movie might legitimately be on par with like Mandy, Midsummer, okay. Hereditary. You, as, it, you hearing uh, you say it out loud yeah. is giving me goosebumps to the point where it's like let's let's get through these episodes at a yes. pretty good clip. Yeah. Because when we're done here, I'm going to go watch that, <laughs> yeah. and then I'm going to paint models until my wife gets home from Chicago. Not the city, the but play. the show. Yeah. Yes. But, um, listener, so. do, any anything that you've seen or read that makes you think, like, I give this one a pass, or, eh, this one's probably, it's, that's, it's, no, that's not true at all. But, honestly, most of the press is amazing. Most of what I've heard about sure. this going in was best superhero movie of all time and i know we did have a long conversation about marvel movies recently but dude i'm telling you, you like, I, I like that conversation quite I, a bit i've actually. seen yeah, me too but like i've seen and did you see the 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 comments that elizabeth olsen has made about people that poo poo the marvel cinematic universe in the movies no what she she's said. like when she said that when you like knock on like like uh, martin scorsese has done when sure. when you state the things like that and the way that you're stating them you're taking away so much from all the craftspeople and artists and set designers and actors, these hundreds of people that come together to create this thing. Yeah, yeah. You're taking all of that away from them in just this one brief, ridiculous statement that you're making and saying that you're better than all of these other artists and craftspeople right. and, and actors and musicians and I, like, yeah, I have reconsidered all the lighting text, like everything that goes into it. You know, I've reconsidered somewhat since there since we had that conversation uh, four years ago or whenever we last spoke. But yeah, back in the early nineties. <laughs> but no, like I I I do I agree with her honestly because it really does boil down to the the popular art versus high art argument. That yeah. is the basis. And you of can his have argument. the flavor of the ice cream that you want, baby. Absolutely. And you can like, have as much as each one that you want. Like James. And sometimes uh, you might want a doll whip. James Aji's death of a family. And then you compare it to like Stephen King's the shining and everyone will say, well, obviously Aji because right. he died poor and critics yeah. liked him, you know? So he's yeah. obviously more valid and no one read the book because it's so boring. It must be great. And so many people love The Shining that it must suck. And you're like, that's kind of backwards logic, honestly. And then kind you, of, yeah. Yeah. So, no, I'm, I'm totally with her. That said, having – and again, man, like I said it in our last conversation, I'm such a fucking huge Marvel fan. It's disgusting. I've watched them all. I've watched many of them many times and will watch yeah. many of them many more. I think I've, I've seen uh, Shang, Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings well, that's like my, That might be my favorite. Times. That might be my favorite one. Yeah. Like legitimately. It's so much fun. But – I've and I've seen Infinity Gauntlet and Endgame. I've seen the ones that are supposed to like be these tight tan- like rip your heart out and they do and they make you cry and the Batman leaves them all in the dust, dude. Fair. This is the no, best superhero movie I've ever seen. And I can't believe I'm saying it because I've shit in DC's mouth the DC Cinematic Universe's mouth for so many years on this show where I'm like... It's like an unfiltered dump just right Dude, in their I'm mouth. usually yeah. just like, they can't get their shit together, they don't fucking understand comics and DC blah blah. This team, this creative team, the director... I would love to see a turn for DC for the better, man. Yes. they've been shit in the bed so hard for they've, about a decade. They've already... For as long as Marvel has been doing it right, yeah, DC yeah. has been doing it wrong. Wrong, until this year, bro. Because, and, okay. and, you know, like, the, obviously the Chris Nolan Batmans are killer movies killer yeah movies. there's i find those to be completely separate uh, yeah they don't feel like part of the marvel cinematic yeah. universe and you know what's weird is the only entry that batman has had into that universe as far as i'm aware what is, is it uh, uh 
Batman v Superman. Batman v Superman, the Batflack. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's that's kind of the DC cinematic entry, and I'm like, that was what you guys pulled out? That's what you did? Yeah. But anyway, that, we're not here to shit on DC. I'm here to say, DC, keep this ex- keep the keep the magic alive. I hope they don't change a thing. I hope they don't change directors. I hope they don't cool. they keep get the writers back. When you watch this movie, man, it's gonna blow your fucking mind. It Can I do mind. it today? It blew my mind. Today. All right, so that's that's me. That's the end of all that. Let's talk about these movies that we no longer remember, Carl. Um, Perfect. But yeah, listener. I remember we talked about. Oh, you go ahead. Sorry. Let's oh, do an introduction oh, to the episode proper. All I was going to say is, listener, in case you have forgotten, as I literally did, what movie we're talking about, It's ne- <laughs> we're actually here to talk about 1936's Modern Times, directed by Charlie Chaplin. And even better, this is part two <laughs> of a two part <laughs> episode. Previous conversation. If you want the real cogent stuff, go back and find the episode previous to the previous one. Um, so basically, man, we're we're about halfway through the movie, I believe, right? So Charlie's he went to jail, got back out of jail because he helped yep. he helped foil a prison break, and the warden That's gave right. him, the, his big reward was the warden gave him a letter that would get him a job. That's right. Use this, and and uh, we'll be your reference. Basically, Perfect. yeah, he's like, this letter will help you get work. Now make good. And Charles is like, but the but the, I can no longer make sense of the world. But it's and it's cold and hungry out here. <laughs> and uh, yeah, four months ago we were like, wow, this is um this movie hits like way too close to home. And now it still does even yeah, more so. Four mo- four months beyond that with the you know. To, not to like date the the episode that we're in, but yeah, things things are kind of a lot like Charlie, Mister Mister Chaplin, or I I like to think of this character as um as the Tramp. Yep. This is like the or I said that I like to imagine this as the origin story of the Tramp as Charlie Chaplin's last as Charlie Island Chaplin's film. last yeah. I um, it. so basically what happens is we we've already been introduced to the gammon. Yep. Um, she's she got caught stealing bread, but uh, the tramp was trying to take or Chaplin's trying to take um, take credit for it. And then Dust Bowl Sarah Jessica Parker comes along and she's like, no, no, she stole it. He's just trying to be a nice person. So you should jail him, too. She's just such a bitch. people sticking their noses into where it's sh- where they sh- don't belong and trying to. Yes. So it's like the that whole. Now. Yeah, it's which is it's basically now. It's, it's like, basically now. It's like it's, people calling each other out. I'm like, what? Just shut the fuck up! Like, shut, why are you being a why yeah. are you being a bitch? Calm Stop down, it. calm down. We don't. We Sarah, Mrs. Mrs. <clears throat> Jess, and I don't know why I made her so. She looks, I don't know. She, looks, she does look like Sarah Vaguely Jessica Parker, like, like a, Jessica a Parker. smidgen. Like she looks like well, she just. <laughs> to be fair, I don't remember what anyone but Charlie Chaplin looks like in this movie. I mean, so. I remember what the gammon looks like. Definitely. Oh no, I do remember what she looks like. Um, so we got so bi- the next thing that happens is they do not arrest Charlie Chaplin because they figure out that yes, she did steal the bread and he's just trying to get thrown back in jail and they're like, get out of here, get out of here. He's hungry and so, it's a place to sleep and oh, yeah. shelter and food. Speaking of hungry, his next ploy to get back into the system, his leap at recidivism is he goes into a restaurant where that's like it's kind of you, you know you get your tray and you build your plates. He walks in and grabs a tray, stops, turns around, grabs a second tray. He's like, you know, if I'm going to go to jail for stealing food, I might as I'm well fucking it. steal some food. And my first thought watching it was I was like, 
that's literally just me. Every every single time I walk into a restaurant, I'll, I'll sometimes order like two entrees, and they're like, "Oh, I'm sorry. Are you meeting? Are you meeting someone? Should I bring no. a second set?" I'm like, "Uh, yeah, you can bring a second set because I'm gonna." This is like me at the Golden Corral. I'm like, "How many fucking plates can I fit?" <laughs> Is that for the whole table, sir? I'm like, no, this is my first round of four. I dude. always sometimes you could just pretend though. You'd be like, ah, man, I guess I guess she stood me up. I should eat this dinner <laughs> oh so God. it doesn't go to waste. That reminds <laughs> me of like when I would when I would drive through. Sometimes I'm really hungry and I forgot to eat breakfast, so it's like my only meal for the day. Yeah. I'll order like, all right, give me a number one large fry, large coke. Uh, now start ordering more things yeah. like and two regular cheeseburgers. Go ahead and give me a ten piece nugget. And then, depending on how, like, if I ordered more, I'll order a second drink so that they think it's for two people. So it looks <laughs> <laughs> like I'm so self conscious about the amount of food I'm eating that I have to order a second drink so uh, they won't think it's all for me. Just you, sir? Yeah, she, she jumped out of the car. I we had no, a, no, she had an errand to run. We we <laughs> she had to pee. She's in the bushes over there. We broke or up. I have my or I have my phone out and they're like, "Is that it?" I'm like, "Hold on, let me check." Uh, yep yep uh looks like that's it yep that's it scroll instagram for a couple seconds whole, whole orders in everyone's gonna get what they need all so only one three of us only one drink though sir no yeah <laughs> yeah let, friends, let well, me throw in another want. dr pepper <laughs> you judge ah, bastard there's gonna drink water they got a health kick as i order for five thousand calories worth of burger king. <laughs> oh dude i it's interesting you say burger king because I I usually default to McDonald's, but the last two yeah. last two weeks, like I haven't had much time to do grocery shopping. So as I've been doing my grocery shopping, I just because it's right next to Meyer, I just yeah. hit that fucking BK every it's time. So easy, and it's a, one of the faster drive-throughs in town. Dude, totally. Give me your eight-piece nuggets. I'm gonna <sighs> want. I'm gonna want a Whopper. And they're like, just the Whopper. I'm like, fuck you. Yes, I'll take <laughs> a meal. Yep. <laughs> you bastards. <laughs> just the sandwich for you, you pussy. And you're like, well, <laughs> well, well no. Clearly, I'll, no. I'll be damned if I'm gonna have a high school student think I can't eat a whole meal. <laughs> and then they. That's how they get you. <laughs> just challenge my manhood, and I'll eat as many burgers as you throw at me. Um. So he. I we're love- very. We're very. Uh, uh, we, em- we can understand yes. Chaplin. Yes, in we this moment. we we sympathize with him. We envy him in many yes. ways. Yes, <laughs> I wish I had two trays of food in front of me right this moment, right now. But I love because he goes. The, they come over to collect the bill, and he's just he just shrugs his shoulders like, I don't know, I don't know what you expected was going to happen. <laughs> right. I came in here with like no my there's like patches. I got patches on barely, my barely barely clothes. I'm on. covered in dirt. There's a hole in my hat. Did you really think I was going to be able to buy $85 worth of food mm-hmm. during the Dust Bowl? No, bro. I'm robbing. I'm stealing from you. And they're like, well. They should have been more responsible and judgmental business owners and turned people away at the door. Yeah, they should have judged that book by its cover. Based on appearance. Yeah, yes. dude. He comes in and he's like, I'll take your finest. You got to look at that dude and assess and be like, yeah, do you want to start a tab? We don't serve your kind here. <laughs> it should have been on their lips. Well, I mean, in 35 or whatever year this right. is. Probably. I'm joking, of course, because that's a horrible way to treat another human. It is, but if you're a restaurant owner, it's a great way to not lose $300. Lose money? <laughs> yeah. I love when the cops come. The petit filet and feats for you, then, today, sir. The cop drags him out the door. And as they're waiting for the paddy wagon to roll up, Chaplin turns around, still handcuffed to this cop, and buys, like, 
he gets he gives a bunch of kids candy. He's like, yes, I'll take a bunch of candy and uh, a couple of cigars, and I'll take yes. this newspaper. He gives a cigar to the cop. Yeah, he's like, here, have a cigar. He gives the cigar to the cop. He gives the candy to the kids. The kids run off, and then the shop owner is like, all right, well, that'll be fourteen ninety five. And Charlie Chaplin's like, it's hilarious yeah. that you think I'm I'm handcuffed to a cop. Why would you sell me anything? <laughs> you fucking idiot. Basically, what I'm getting at here is we're going to You never ahead. went to that smart business school yeah, upstate. Dude, this business owners in this neighborhood really got to they got to just open the eyes just a bit. It's not like this is the roaring 20s, dude. We're in like you got to be real tight with your product. Yeah. Here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, they uh, they they get him back in the paddy wagon. And I'm pretty sure the gammon is in the back of the, the, she is, the wagon yeah. as well. And then there we get now. Remember, listener, it sounds like I really know what's going on, but I have no idea what these notes mean. So I'm rebuilding the movie in my head as yeah. I go. <laughs> I'm in the same boat as I read through mine. I'm like, no fucking clue, man. I can see the light bulbs hitting as you're like, oh, yeah, yeah, she is in the paddy wagon. Yeah. And then I yeah. think the next thing that happens is they also could be false memories, completely. inception. Total, if you, you want know. to know what really happened, we'll you're going to have to watch the film. We'll remember it for you wholesale. Like, <laughs> yeah, there's a little <laughs> Philip K. Dick happening right now. Yeah, dude. This is definitely... We're going to realize that by the end of it, we'll be like, wait, didn't this whole movie it's take place on Mars? The blue sky on Mars. <laughs> no, it's, a, it's not what happened. <laughs> you remember that wrong. And then and then the gammon's head. There was no <laughs> oxygen in her eyes. Eyeballs coming out of her it's head. It's the bit where she's like... <laughs> She had to get the tracker out of her forehead, so she had to put the needle in her nose. Oh my god! See, that's you. You said that, and I didn't even think Total Recall. I went straight to Mission Impossible Three with the little explosive charges oh, and the, the forebrain. Oh, I know the fuck. worst thing I've ever. Oh god, it's awful. Oh. But it doesn't happen in here, though. No, no, no. What happens in here is there's a prison break out of the paddy wagon because I, I'm pretty sure the like cart has to swerve and it falls. They fall yeah, out the it, back because it's. The, it's Charlie Chaplin, the gammon, and the guard. And he's like, Charlie Chaplin's bummed. He's like, well, fuck. I'm free. Yeah. Nah, man. But he wants her. I can't get arrested for shit in this town. He wants her to. Yeah, I know. He's like, get, <laughs> some days you just can't get, get yourself right. thrown in the hooskah. Sometimes, exactly. But he wants her to escape, so he knocks the guard out. You know, this 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 prison guard's fallen out the back, hit his head on the cobbled streets of New York, and has, has horrible CTE. Then he comes to, and Chaplin fucking cranks him one again, and he's like, uh, you gotta run. Get out get out of here, Gammon. And she's mm-hmm. like, no, come with me, come with me. And he's like, all right, let me really fuck this guard's chances <laughs> at, like, Rhodes Scholarships up. Whoop-hack! And takes him, gives him another blast. I'm gonna give him a 12-word vocabulary for oh, the rest yeah, of dude, his Oh, yeah, dude, the life. rest of his... I was... Ooh, okay. Some of the jokes... I, after, I haven't done the show in a while, yeah, so I the know. filter's kind of loose. In, and you, in and you're still the only one with your finger on the edit trigger that is at 100%, this moment. I know. So don't I, give yourself more work to do until you get me trained up on right, that I'm stuff. trying to. I'm trying to... I'm trying to keep my keep my life simple. Okay, so political humor, we'll just leave that right off mm-hmm, the table. Mm-hmm, Here we mm-hmm. go. Um, so what that leaves us with is uh, we they're living the dream. They're broke. They're on from the, the they're on the run from the law, um, and they are completely shut more or less of the system that drove them mad from the word go. Yeah. So I think it's interesting that at this point in the movie, if you remember where we started, it's it's. Remember we talked about in the previous episode when Chaplin gets sucked into the machine. Once mm-hmm. he's actually in the inner workings of the machine, he Sees has that the workings of the matrix and the yeah, and he comes out the other side with this like clarity, and he's he's become 
philosophically and and maybe mentally free if not you know because he's still got the const- he's in the same boat as the rest of us right you can wake up from the matrix but you, the matrix if you still don't is, have money for food or a place to live you're still at the mercy of damn right that particular prison yeah you know you, it's like the seneca quote like you can shackle my body but my you, you cannot ever shackle my mind or whatever my mind range is yep. free well but I it kind of sucks it. to have your body in shackles so Right, there's definitely something to be said from not being physically shackled as well. Right. Um, but I do think it's interesting that at this point in the film, after their prison break, uh, we see Chaplin and the Gammon are their, I wrote down, absent machines or technology. What we're left with is a patch of grass beneath a tree upon which to admire this flower. Um, it's really interesting. Both of them, they, uh, they take notice of each other. They're not like they're not so much like running around. They they actually sit and rather than talking about production, productivity, crime, punishment, right, wrong, labor unions, hardship, they talk about their dreams. Mm-hmm. And that the first time that we see them really like relax into what they want out of life, rather than what is necessary for their survival in this moment or what's going to take them to the next paycheck or the next meal, the first time that they actually think broadly about their situation in the world is in this tiny little snow globe patch of nature in the middle of like a nature's oasis and outside of the concrete jungle yeah yeah, and i i said that this is one of the first human interactions in the entire movie that does not seem aimed at extracting transactional capital or maximum Mm -hmm. labor from people but just the pleasure of each other's company yeah which i really liked and then they have this there's this really heartbreaking but beautiful scene where they have what I call uh, an impoverished person's fantasy of affluence. They they don't imagine it, the it's you know it's the honey I'm home oh come on over here I've made you a, two trays worth of food mm-hmm. and a, two cigars. They'd never imagine the job. If you think about all the times you've seen this fantasy play out in cinema or in books or whatever the the what. Or it, honestly, in your own head, I do this too. Right. Where you think like, what, my dream life, what does that look like? Pie in the sky. You never imagine the job you're working. You always imagine arriving to home to your beautiful mm-hmm. house after the job to this beautiful woman. She's And now I'm talking about the film again. To a beautiful woman who's got food on the table. You never see the woman cooking, but you always right. see the meal. You never see the job. You see the spoils of the job. Food, apples, I think, grow on the, grow on trees literally into the living room. Chaplin throws the stem on the floor and wipes his hands on the drapes as though none of this will have any consequences because it's a perfect world where they clean themselves yep. and the floor sweeps itself. And I mean, literally, there's free milk from a cow that wanders by. That wanders it's, by them. It is one of the funniest little fantasies that you ever see, but... But from a modern perspective, and you got to remember, this movie is being made during the Great Depression, mm-hmm. like bread lines and yeah, like yeah. what we're what they're depicting in this film is happening in the country. So when you see this, like this fantasy of everything's going to be fine and we won't have to work for anything, and it's all going to everything's milk, available, yeah, it is physically funny because of the way that it's shot and structured, mm-hmm. and because Chaplin is a comedic genius, especially in. A physical comedic genius Like the way he tosses the apple The way that he His whole body's moving as he's wiping his hands On these fucking beautiful clean drapes But Um But you don't But it's also at the same time Like a 
it's you got to imagine that people watching that scene at that time that's a that's a harsh critique of the the society that they're in you know it's Mm -hmm. like it's almost like a it's almost like he's going for like a wake-up call you know what i mean where he's like isn't this funny and isn't this how you feel and isn't it ridiculous that that this is what you're aiming at like this movie is escapist in some ways but i think that it's Mm -hmm. escapist in order to drive home the realities that's escaping from too and chaplin was best at that like one of the greatest ways to share a point or to <clears throat> not necessarily share a point, but to, to, to show somebody the truth right. is through the use of, of comedy right. and, and imagery. Cause you're not beating somebody over the head with like a, a big speech that someone's giving or, you know, this major conflict between two characters where it's this finely written Aaron Sorkin, Ask dialogue sure. yeah, yeah, and it's yeah. very like wrought and 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 just like steeped in fucking like 14 point <laughs> words and shit but sometimes all you have to do is show somebody the daydream of what a perfect world would be where everything is readily available it's shot in a very funny carefree fancy free sort of cartoonish way right and you get the same point across but it's it, i think it hits on a much deeper emotional level because it's finding its way into you as a viewer through this through the through the use of something that is very easy to consume yeah. which is humor and comedy where you don't have to like think about it too hard it just sort of gets soaked into your um into yourself into your subconscious the and comedy, you get to sort of marinate with it i think it's like the the spoon the little spoonful of sugar too which is like, yeah absolutely you know and it's also by contrast so like you could do a really serious drama where the kids are starving to death but you know and, the, and like we this one does have their dad die in a bread line and then the kids are going to get yeah. sent to the workhouse but because it's funny you're more receptive to what you're seeing and it can sink in and work on you over right. time so like maybe you don't think about it as you're watching it maybe you're thinking how funny is that charlie chaplin guy but then a week not later, in the way you're thinking about it, like watching something like hunger yeah oh my god you watch hunger and it, it gets its just, point across but yeah, you're you're exhausted <laughs> at the end of it um, I also think that it's the the comedic approach of this film too is kind of like philosophically in line with some of its broader subjects like for example mm-hmm. like there's a lot about labor unions and communism Im- at least implied in this movie if mm-hmm. not overtly like discussed and at- done as plot points but by making chap by showing people this like kind of silly fantasy and recognizing it for its silliness he's both pointing out by contrast what everyone's fighting, but also creating a sense of camaraderie with the viewer. I'm one mm-hmm. of you. This right. is not like, you know, some rich big, this isn't Howard Hughes making a, making a movie about the impoverished while he lives in like 200 mansions. This is like, right. I'm going to make a movie about a poor person who's struggling to show to people who are poor and struggling. And the, and the cost that he pays for that is to get um, a job. Uh, well no 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 so charles charlie chaplin oh yeah in real life movies release gets he can't come back into the country anymore because he's blacklisted so that's that's right they and they wait until he's on a boat for europe to do it to him too so he's out of the country and then they slap him with all the injunctions so that he can't come back this movie this movie didn't destroy but put on hiatus it cost him 
It cost him a lot, and I think that he didn't mind paying that cost. To me, I mean, I have never, I haven't heard one way or the other, but like, I mean, I watched that Chaplin movie with Robert Downey Jr., and he seemed pretty bummed that pretty they were bummed about him it. A no, communist. fair enough. <laughs> but I don't think he wouldn't. I don't know. Do you think that he would have not made this movie knowing the cost that it would uh, incur? No, I think he would have done it no matter what, because I yeah. think that if you look at Chaplin's life as a as an entertainer and a performer and a creative person. There was really, it was, it, to his personal detriment sometimes, it was truly all about the art. He was, right. he was, what mattered most to that man in his life, I think, was making the best art that he possibly could and as much of it as he could and elevating and innovating and 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 expressing himself fully and totally. Yeah. And I think that there's no bridge that he wouldn't cross to do that. I think that, I mean... Yeah, I, I mean, I think he would have. I think he would have done everything exactly the same. Maybe okay. I, I don't think he compromises. I don't even think that he dials back some of the rhetoric. I just think he's bummed. No, having the foreknowledge that he's fucked it's at like, the well, end. Well, this this sucks. Like, damn <laughs> oh it! Now God. I have to knowingly make this movie that's gonna tank me. Right. Um. I love his little quote after that because remember what's actually happening as they have this fantasy is they're sitting on a grassy patch under a tree. And then uh, we get a, a dialogue card, and it's Chaplin. He goes because he's so enamored with this idea of this carefree life with this this street urchin that she's kind of like get, getting chummy with. He says, "I'll do it. We'll get a home, even if I have to work for it. Even if I have to work." Which for it. that one line, what a critique of the American dream, right? Mm -hmm. Like it's it's beautiful. And then even better after like making this grand pronouncement as they're like you know passing this flower back and forth and having these these head in the clouds dreams yeah you know you'll get that home even if i have to work for it until a cop comes along and shoves you off the grass and i wrote down what are you guys sitting and daydreaming haven't you got better things to do get moving mm. and this movie does that again and again and again when you see people sit and do heavy air quotes sit and do like meaningless things or take time for themselves or try to stop and smell the they're, roses they're not being productive yeah there's a real the mainstream society in this movie is really portrayed heavily as almost like a like an assembly line where it's like all the parts need to keep moving are you generating we are all the parts of the machine that are required to keep in motion to keep the larger mechanism going right. yeah and, and to feed the and by the time yeah. we get to the end of the movie where we, where both of them are gainfully employed, yeah. their job, essentially, they are two dancing monkeys, more or less. You know what I mean? Is this the restaurant job? Yeah, or yeah, is this by, the, yeah. By the end of the film. Well, of course, you know, that's where a lot of us, well, a lot of us found ourselves if we uh, weren't able to do anything else is working in the fucking restaurant industry. So, I mean... Like yeah, seeing like restaurant, seeing restaurant work in a creative person's thing is you're like, you know why restaurant, yeah. why waiters always pop up in movies? It's because the people who made the movies were waiters for. A we're long always waiters. Time. <laughs> they say right what you know. Most creatives have been either a bartender, a server, or worked in the service industry in some capacity. I can almost guarantee you. And for those of you who are like trying to do the creative thing. It, there's a reason that that is so. You can make enough mm -hmm. money to live on way fewer hours than the standard. 40. You can you can typically get away with four days a week instead of five. I'm rolling, which three. is a big difference. Uh, to be Man, fair, my if you can do it. Do it. My yeah. shifts are long. To be fair, I am working like longer shifts than is typical of a restaurant. But I got I'm working three days a week right now, and yep. I mean with what's going on in my like personal life, that's super super helpful because it affords me a lot of necessary. Yeah. yeah, it affords me a lot of time, but pre. Previous to this 
thing that's going on. Um, I, t- I did a whole episode about it. I guess I yeah. like, but yeah, but pr- previous to my, my mom getting sick, what I did was I used all that fucking time to just generate all these art projects and write movies yep. and do music. You can't do that. I'm not, I'm not trying to be a downer if this is what you're after, but you, it's really difficult to fucking do that with a 40 hour a week job. Well, five days a week job requires one of your two days off to get everything done that you need to get done that you couldn't during the right. week. So really you have one day off and most of the time that is with friends and family and trying to get some sort of social yeah like get your social battery filled up with people you haven't seen so now you have four hours right in a week (laughs) to do measuring flicks or to try and read a stephen king book and write thoughts down about it like how do you fucking how do do you do it i know and then you you hear the people online who are you know like the rock will be telling you like you got it what you do is you get home from work and then you start to work and you're like yeah but what if you're like really tired and he's like well fuck it you sleep less and you're like okay i get it you're like a crazy person with a huge amount of drive and adrenaline and you're but he also has the fucking money and support to be able to do that well he did grind his way up from like from not sure he did but he wasn't like there there are i think there are outlier people who can do what he's saying but i i think that for the vast majority of people the biggest thing that you can do to help yourself make space for art is to make literal temporal more space, space. Yeah. you literally just need more time and one of the ways you can make more time if you're a creative person is you can work in restaurants because man some nights you walk home with what you with a week's pay on yeah. during the busy seasons now the winter there's a trade-off because you're starving yeah, all the time is. and you're here like, we're getting close to food stamps in the yeah, winter dude, around the, here the fucking thermostats turn to like 49 you know and you're like that's i always think that's of, warm enough to live i think of ebenezer <laughs> scrooge in the george c scott version of a christmas carol where he's like what are you doing these are called garments we wear them to keep warm yeah. <laughs> yeah, man, Cratchit, don't throw another lump of coal in the... That shit's expensive, brother. Like, put another jacket how, on. How many episodes have we done where you come over and I'm in, like, my sweatpants with a sweater and my robe? I wear a robe mm-hmm. in my house like I'm Hugh fucking Hefner. I never yep. take it off because I'm like... They're like, oh, you just walk around in a bathrobe all day? I'm like, um, I call it oh. my, my keep warm coat. It's yeah, just, exactly. it's, it's literally just a big fluffy bathrobe. But it's it, my don't freeze jacket. Yeah, I've got my don't. I have two dogs under here, just trying to keep yeah. them and me alive. <laughs> um, so Chaplin does get a job. Sorry, I <laughs> keep derailing us. No, no. Chaplin does get a job. He works at like a gigantic multi-level like department store, essentially. Like a what would this? I don't even know what this store would. It be would be. Back in it'd the be day. kind of like 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 back how department stores used to be back in the day in the big cities. These multiple layers, like floor four is housewares, floor five is the pet supplies, floor one garments and ladies wear, and right, yeah, two is like so that multiple level like a Macy's. Yes. back in the day. Yeah, a huge one, and it's we find out that it is partly under construction. Yes. Um, and there's some really interesting stuff. Still here. a couple floors still under construction. <laughs> And then body uh, lines, it's got extra trigger fingers. I do love that bit at the in this one where the the gammon drops Charlie Chaplin off the upper floors, you know, of Nakatomi Tower or Nakatomi yeah. Plaza, and then Chaplin's look of surprise. I read that what what they did was they actually well, had they her actually drop him, him on too. Yeah, <laughs> like this, I find it weird that she says "Happy Trails, Hans" because she's never called him that. Before. I know, and uh, you can see her mouth yippee kaye, motherfucker, you know. But and then a dialogue card comes up, but it's just place. like. Wingdings because the yeah, you know, yeah. censorship bureau you can't be saying they do they've got be, 
yippee ki you know, asterisks, you. dollar sign. Yeah, you. yippee ki you. Or they do that thing in uh, in old books when people would swear where they give you the first letter and then it's just a long line where they're like, yes. and you, if you're a if you're a naughty boy, you can fill in the blanks yourself. And I'm like, I made, I'm probably, well, I made am that, a naughty boy. I made that so. swear word way worse than it probably was. Yes. <laughs> you should have just left the fuck in because I turned it into a whole lot of garbage. Oh my worse God. Yeah. That. It's, I, I put in seven, you know how much, you gave me too much line. I put in like six swear words in there, dude. My um, font, my typeface is much smaller than yours. <laughs> in my brain. I'm at a Calibri like four. There's <laughs> Calibri. Calibri four. No, dude. It's my, my font is like just let one letter per page right now. So. Um, but there's a there's a cool stunt in here. I'm I'm pretty sure that the the stunt is not as dangerous as it looks. I think what they did was either they either painted the floor to look like a drop off, or yeah, I feel like it's some sort of mat work going. on. I think it's something. Yeah. It's either that or it's like a thick sheet of glass. But basically, the gammon and Chaplin, because Chaplin's the the night guard. He basically just walks around. He's the night watchman, and uh, they're just playing Take around. Snaps, reads books, plays yeah. around. Essentially, he's like every once in a while he like nibbles on a little bit of food or sleeps on a mattress. That's actually one of the things that almost gets him in trouble is she falls asleep on a bed in the showroom right. floor. And then by the time she wakes up, the place is already open and she's got to kind of like try and bail out of there. But there's a bit where they go up to one of the upper floors and they strap on some roller skates. Not roller blades, roller skates. skates. These like, metal wheeled four on the straps. floor. Yeah, dude. Like the least Strap over your shoes. Yeah. The least accurate and like precision shoe foot like roller anything that exists. These like, things Heelys have more precision than this you shit. You literally just took that sentence out of my brain. I fucking love it, dude. Um <laughs> so what the, the all that said, the, what Chaplin does here, even knowing that he is not going to actually plummet to his death, you know, because it is movie magic. The precision of his skating work is beautiful. It's like it a, really is. It's it's like a dance, dude. It's like watching like proto Olympic figure skating almost, where he's he's carving these beautiful lines backwards. And did not mention this yet. He's so basically what happens is there's a what it looks like is there's a huge drop off that's gonna plummet him to his death five stories. No below. railing on this giant like. No, it's just a straight drop off, like OSHA violation times a billion. Um, and I will say this: I would not have known that it was like that. It was like a safe situation where it's not actually as dangerous as it looks. If I hadn't looked it up, because the effect holds up so good. When you watch it, it looks like Charlie Chaplin's gonna die. Yeah, there's no there's no indication or there's no like, you know, sometimes you can tell like with matte paintings in particular, sure. they always look like a matte painting. Doesn't matter how beautiful they are. Right. That's one of the reasons why I love them so much, because it's, you can always tell when it's a matte painting. Yeah, They're visible. And part of what makes them cool is their visibility. You know, like exactly. dude, the matte paintings in Red Sonja, like the giant like yep. Lord of the Rings fantasy bridge. But it's a painting. It's gorgeous. Yeah. But this looks really good. So not only is he roller skating around this like death drop four stories down, he's doing it blindfolded backwards. Mm-hmm. Dude, Chaplin puts on a blindfold and like by memory, by muscle memory and practice, he does this amazing like swinging around backwards on one foot. And when he he cuts right for the edge and then at the last second, he'll whoop. Just, I mean, he's drawing the thinnest line from the wheels on the outside yeah. of his skate and the very fucking razor's edge of that, like, balcony that yes. we're on. 
even if it was just a painted line on the floor and he was managing that kind of precision blindfolded, he's, I he's would He's painting in the center of the line. Dude, like it's, it's incredible. Breathtaking how how precise and accurate and how fluid his mm-hmm. movements are. You know, like And he... remember again, these are steel skates yes. that go over your shoe with cheap <laughs> leather straps. These are not like you went to the roller rink and rented your nine and a halfs and strapped them on with like wheel bearings and, and like nice hardened plastic or whatever. No, these are like fucking steel skates. Steel skates with like twine to get them on your yeah. boxy wooden shoes that you're wearing because it's, you know. shit. Yeah, and he's still pulling all this stuff off. It's amazing. And then, of course, the gammon notices that he's going to die, basically. Yeah. <laughs> and, she, and she comes well, he over. Can't hear her, he can't hear her screams because it's of a silent, silent movie. Yeah. <laughs> I've been waiting been waiting all episode for that joke, sir. <laughs> In the silent era, no one can that's, hear you scream. <laughs> that's, that's the one note that I remembered what the fuck it meant. Yo, I mean, it's, it's pretty fucking death to find. I'd like to see a dialogue card for a scream. Just yeah. like, just, uh, yeah, the, all the A's written out, and it fills yeah. the whole card. Oh, interesting. You do your your ah uh, all A's. I do my ah's uh, one A all H's. Oh, but that's more like ah. Uh, I mean, that uh, could be her scream. She might be like, oh, oh my god, that's fucking it's like so terrified yeah. that no sound comes. It up. goes silent on you. Um, yeah. I'm pretty sure that this next note is only because I had recently done an episode of Cassandra Explains It All. Um, when I watched this movie. But I think it's kind of I, I applied what I, I here's I'll just read the note because it's non it's Do crazy it. crazy talk. I said ma- it, um, Chaplin is working with magical principles here. It's seeing the mountain that scares you off fighting it. The fear of what you must do, which might not actually be that difficult. The fear of the consequences of failure. That is what's what paralyzes us. It's the freedom of it's the freedom from the fear of consequences, the freedom of Tyler Durden's rock bottom and the wisdom of the Buddhists that allows one to do anything. Mm-hmm. If you think about it, what makes Chaplin it truly like in the real world, what allows Chaplin to be that precise and skate that well is knowing that he's not going to die because what he's doing is actually safe, even if it appears. There's to no not fear be. of the fall, too. I mean, we, yeah. not seeing it. When you so. remove the fear of the fall, because again, the actor Chaplin knows that even if he fucks up, he will. There not is no die. fall, right? Be- because the fear of the fall has been removed, he's able to execute perfectly. Mm-hmm. So often, it's the. You know, like this is this is a Buddhist principle. I much of Fight Club is Buddhist principles warped through like the perspective of a dickhead terrorist. Yeah, I was gonna say very, very <laughs> much bent to but, their own and by design. Reason. I think I, I don't think Palinuk wanted think us so to like those characters. I think he was I, like I think Palinuk um, underestimated the uh, denseness of most of his young male audience. I think that he, yeah, that I was as... he may have overestimated his audience. He's like overestimate is what I meant. Yeah, they're like, gonna get Jesus it. They're gonna Christ. get it. <laughs> but um, but yeah. So I, I think it's really interesting that um, and actually the movie points this out because there is a moment where the gammon comes over and grabs his hands and pulls the blindfold off him. Chaplin sees the fall. And he becomes like this bumbling, scattering idiot who almost goes over the edge. Yep. Can't figure out how to. He's whoop, 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 he whoop, can whoop, barely whoop, use whoop, his legs. And it's interesting to think about like, okay, 1936, you watch this and yeah, that's really cool. It's a fun stunt mm-hmm. and it's what physical comedy. But but there's this kernel of real, true 
like applicable wisdom in this moment, which is if you can free yourself of the fear of failure, you can accomplish anything. But once that fear has gripped your heart, you are incapable of doing anything. There's, there's no coming back from that either. Once you've seen the mountain and you let it into your once you let the fear in, it's almost impossible to to get it out again without like overcoming that in the most painful of ways, which is facing your fear, which is one of the most difficult things humans can do. Yeah. Is like not I mean it doesn't even have to be a big fear. Like like a fear of something the fear of failure or the or whatever is most common, I think. Uh yeah, amongst definitely. like the the more sort of just rooted fears are like it could be even like fear of spiders or fear of whatever it is like right. <laughs> it's one of the more that's why fear is such a powerful thing is because it has such a control over us because it's so wired into our survival mechanisms right because fear is telling us i either need to destroy this thing or get as far away from it as possible yeah or i'm going to like no longer exist yeah because like, i will die you, <laughs> right? yeah so. yeah you have you have fight or flight and it's yeah. not just a it is literally a physical response but it's not just a physical response it's also i think a, a, a mental and emotional response too so it's like, all can it's an entire being sort of response like right because what do you every do? part of us that makes us click is tied into that fear response because it has to be because the entire that's how you being, live that's how you survive our being needs to like be aware of what that means and react but, to it appropriately. But because of our big brains and our how far we've evolved and how much our world has changed since the time mm -hmm. where it was like, fuck, tiger, run to like, you know, it's literally like I either kill this thing or I run away from it, right? Yep. Now our, our, uh, our problems and our fears are more existential, but we still react the same way, which is like, all right, I wrote this screenplay, right? I wrote this screenplay. Oh, but if I if I send it out, they might reject it. It's the George McFly syndrome, man. Yeah. So you either you either don't put it out in which you're running away from that failure, the potential. Mm -hmm. And that's the craziest thing is, you know, like what you learn when you are having a hard, super fucking hard stretch of life and you do a bunch of meditation and get way into that is you start realizing like that failure does not exist yet. It might in the future but the only way you find out if that failure is there or not is you have to take the step forward and try the thing that you might fail at and if you don't well then nothing exists right you know so you either you're either running away from a potential failure that doesn't exist in which case you never get anything accomplished or you fight it by not doing the work in the first place like why would mm -hmm. i even bother writing this I'll pr it'll probably never get published or you and then depression sets in because you're not doing the thing that you feel driven to do, but fear is keeping you from doing it. Right. Like it's such so a vicious, it's a vicious fucking thing that we is. do to ourselves. Yeah, and it's and it's really hard to overcome, like you were saying, because it's it's baked into us as a necessary survival mechanism yep. of our species. So, like, we as an animal need to figure out how to. There's a there's this movie. I don't know if I've mentioned it, it's called The Batman came out in 2022 mm. robert pattinson there's this vaguely familiar with the concept there's this fucking great line in there and i'll give it to you out of context because truly i'm grateful that nothing was spoiled for me and i don't want to spoil okay. anything for anyone it is a movie that you should just watch because you're not going to believe what they do in it you're going to be like this is a this is a batman movie though what the fuck am i watching um but there's this great line where bruce wayne is it's bruce wayne not batman he's sitting there and he he says it's like one of the few moments where you see him and he's always struggling with 
to keep himself like in check. This is Batman year two. He's only been doing this for two years at this point. Oh, I love it. And he goes, ah! oh yeah, dude. And he goes, uh, oh man, he's talking to Alfred and he goes, God, I never thought I would feel fear like that again. I thought I'd mastered all that. And just that line, like the idea that he, that Bruce Wayne, who spent his entire life from age like, you know, 14 until 25 when he comes back to Gotham, according mm-hmm. to Frank Miller's comic, that's when he returns is 25. But he's been gone for like a full decade, mastering his mind, mastering his body. We find out in Grant Morrison's comics that he's like done all these crazy Eastern Buddhist meditations and he does transcendental mm-hmm. meditation. He can slow his heart rate down and all this stuff. And then in the movie, he's kind of confronted with something that challenges him, which that's not a spoiler. That's just what happens to Batman. It's the Batman movie. Yeah, yeah. but he's he's confronted with something that challenges him very profoundly on like a mental level rather than a physical one where he can fight. And I just that line of, I thought I'd mastered all that. You never do. You never do. You there's never always, do. There's always another page, man. Yeah, and that is, that's, that's the heroic work. That is what makes a hero right there for mm-hmm. me is like when you're challenged and pushed rather than rather than fighting or running. See, that's what I find interesting about Daredevil because Daredevil is the man without fear. Right. But he is Matt Murdock is so he's just he's the man fear, of fear. <laughs> fear runs through him like like it's his life essence is right. fear. Right. He's he's terrified, and the fact that Daredevil is the man without fear—that's why I love him. He is a man with fear, right? Right. But but because he's he's facing that fear every single day, every single night to do what to protect his city, yeah, to protect Hell's Kitchen, like makes him, in my opinion, so much more that hero that superhero where he's constantly facing the fear of of his his own like issues and shit or like the fear of hurting other people or the fear of going too far right or the fear of uh that he won't him be not able being able to do or... any right exactly so i really like I just find it so interesting that that for for daredevil is the man with no without fear but he is the man yeah matt is all so the afraid fear. right because he has yeah. so much to lose um but that's one of the things that i like most about superheroes that do the alter ego thing like like really do it where like matt murdoch yes is a is a fearful man not a, i mean yeah he's a he's, um, he's got cojones too but he has a lot to lose and he actually is quite afraid to lose those he's things. afraid of what's going to happen to his friends to foggy to karen page he to... wrestles with a lot of stuff but when he is daredevil when he puts that mask on it allows him to supersede that persona and become something more he literally like why can... he becomes addicted to it yeah he like <laughs> becomes he can he compartmentalizes his fear in a way and in so doing is able to supersede it like batman does the same thing you know bruce yeah, wayne is exactly. just a man but when you create this entire other persona that is specifically designed to short circuit that human evolutionary thing that was where it becomes really interesting to me i just realized also that charlie chaplin when he's able to do all this stuff he kind of also has a mask on he puts on a blindfold he does he puts on a blindfold oh my god so um but yeah he unwitting he unwittingly blinds himself to the potential fear of the fall 
and also becomes that alter ego. What a funny scene, and also what an what an incredibly simple and apt way to provide yeah. us with that metaphor. I just love it. Um, so I I like the idea of a store because they are in this store still this this big giant department store, especially as a dreamland. I think this is one of the things that got us, and I think he's pointing it out here. This is one of the things that got us as a society and as a culture and turned us into this kind of mindless consumer class is you can walk into one of those places, especially like a, a Kohl's, where they have mm-hmm. housewares and clothing and board games and you know or whatever. You can walk in there, and you can imagine your life with stuff. Mm-hmm. You walk in and it provides a. Temp- oh, they have displays set up of the what your living room and bedroom suite will look right. like. It's a. It's literally like a controlled temporary fantasy space where you can go and. Oh, if only, if I had this bed, this is what it would be like. Or honestly, they can even get you it's with what magic. they call marketing. Yeah, that's right, and it's, it's yeah quite insidious. And this movie really shows it well because you see them start to play house, and you realize that if they only had the capital. They would be buying all of this shit, and they would bring it home, and they would set it a up in their house. Box of our own, and that a fence <laughs> of real chain link, a grill out on the patio, disposal in the sea. We're gonna get so sued. No, <laughs> get sued by a Little Shop of Horrors. You know I, I only did a few bars. Only yeah, we're fine. Bars. We're fine. <laughs> that was a that was a honestly, dude. I one of my favorite things is when you sing because when I edit it, sometimes I'll go and try and find the song that you do. Many times on this show, you've sung stuff, and I'm like, he's he's just fucking around. There's no way the real song sounds like that. And then you open it up, and you're like, that is legitimately how that dude sounds. <laughs> or like, wow, he's almost like on tempo. Even you're you've yeah. got a musical theater brain in you, dude. Thanks, bro. Um, so while they're there, like playing house, and she goes upstairs and falls asleep on a bed, and while he goes downstairs to like air quotes continue his rounds, and he runs into he's still on his skates by the way, and he runs into mm-hmm. some robbers, some people who are there to like like burgle the store, right? Yep, but they're not robbers; they're just hungry. That's right. We have a dialogue card that comes up. They're holding them at gunpoint, and then the biggest one. He kind of like stops and does a little double take, and then we get the the dialogue card, and it says Big Bill recognizes a fellow worker from the steel mm-hmm. mills. And even without official union membership or any organizational status at all, because that stuff doesn't exist yet in America, mm-hmm. um, Chaplin belongs to this brotherhood, and that's really interesting to me that these guys show up, and Chaplin hasn't worked at that steel mill in a while and when he left that minute. steel he's mill he's been to jail twice he's, yeah he's been to jail twice well he was on his way to jail a well second on time. his way to jail he's, yeah, a, yeah. he's a wanted felon you know assaulting a police officer he when he left the steel mill he'd like sprayed oil in people's eyes and he like blew some of the fucking shit up you you know for sure that like big bill and his crew had he's to clean a terrorist up. yeah sure. man he had to he had to clean up chaplain's mess for like a week after that you know they're like well everyone's pulling double shifts because this guy blew up the generators and we got to get production going and yet out in the world when big bill sees this guy he's like whoa whoa whoa, guys lower your guns we don't point we don't point guns at this guy he's one of us right he's one of that that brotherhood of of, of workers and i thought it was really interesting that that even though he works he's part of uaw if there was such a thing there was yet, such a thing then point, yeah but it's interesting that even without that official organization he's still there part- is a 
yeah, there's yeah. still a sense of camaraderie and brotherhood. And I said, I wrote down, th- these are the most powerful groups and relationships in our in our c- culture, even to this day. Mm-hmm. Those intrinsic to a group or unspoken and unofficial like if you can get a group of people all together who all recognize each other as part of that group without having to have a badge or a secret handshake right. or a whatever if you can truly f- a, a brand on your lower back <laughs> right you, you yeah you never had to do any paperwork you didn't have yeah. to yeah you don't have any like markings that signify you as such but if you can really form a group of people that's that tight knit where they recognize each other on the street and will go out of their way even if it poses a risk to themselves, which stopping this robbery mid thing to like incorporate Chaplin back mm-hmm. into their group is kind of risky. That's tribal. That's basically how human beings are, have evolved. Like that's the reason that, that these groups are so powerful. I think it's really interesting. Um, I have, Oh my God, I do know what this is about. Cause so this is where Chaplin is going to get, I believe arrested again. Because the they take a couple of shots at him before Big Bill recognizes who he is, right? And the they sh- puncture the barrels of Muscatel Sauterne in twenty-seven-year-old rum. Yeah, dude. And uh, Chaplin, he's he's got his fingers plugging two of the holes, but one of those is just flowing right down his throat, and he it, they all end up pretty fucking hammered. Uh, some good drunk acting right there, sir, if I do say so myself. Honestly, it is quite... Albeit brief. It's brief, but quite good, especially because he's on roller skates. So seeing mm-hmm. him, like... Li- There's another one he does called... It's like I think it's called like A Sunny Day or Sunny Day in the Park or whatever. It's one of his shorter movies. But there's a bit where he's on a boat that's rocking back and forth and he gets seasick. That you can see Chaplin's drunk acting in that one. Mm-hmm. He, they give him some time to do it. And man, he's fucking good. Um... But he gets busted here because he's um, he goes to sleep under a bunch of clothes on a table, and uh, a woman comes in and I think she's trying to buy it. I think she's trying to buy the clothes he's wearing. So they're like pulling the shirt out, and then all like his arm comes up with it. There's Chaplin, and they're like, "Oh wait, there might be a guy under here." And they dig him out right. from under all the clothes. But would be a shopping day, a shopping day, a, sh- a shocking shopping day would, at the mall, wouldn't it? It would be a sh- yeah. If you were trying to buy like a like a suit coat, and when you pulled it up, there was a hammer, just drunk, a hammered drunk person, <laughs> rum reeking dude with roller skates on. You'd be like, oh my god, I'm leaving. Oh, man, these are these these are a real tight fit. They're making my ears all. Do you have like any? Crazy. Do you have any over the ear earbuds? I, I don't at the moment. Well, July's coming. We'll figure up. it out. July's coming up. We'll get you. We'll get you a little birthday present. We'll get the. Yeah, buddy. We'll get the ear earballs all taken care of. Ooh. Um. So, honestly, listener, I don't remember how we get to the next note. Some something happens, and then he, when he and the gammon get back together, she has found them a home. That's literally the line. I've found a home. Found us a home. Yep. And this is maybe my, this might be my favorite moment in the whole movie because it, it manages to be completely heartbreaking, but also it's, it's devastating, dude, because she's like, she's so proud. I've, I found us a home. We've got this home and it's, dude, it is a, it's a dust bowl shack. It's barely a shack. Next I mean, to like it's... a mosquito pond. You know what I'm saying? Like a cesspool mosquito. Pond. I mean, I feel like they're, they're, they're this the, this shack is erected like in filth. It's like they yeah, the literally like they built it on like a foundation of like half mud, half like pig shit slurry. Mm-hmm. Like that dude, this is a real rough structure. Waterfront though. 
You got to give him that. It is waterfront. Um, and she does. They walk in, you know, and part of the building falls down and clocks Chaplin in the dome. And they're, you know, oh, of course, it's no Buckingham Palace. But one of the things that I was struck by was that this scene didn't wasn't just heartbreaking to me. It was also like quite beautiful. And in a way, it warms and breaks the heart at the same time. It's. Which is very hard and clever. It is. To it's, do. it's uplifting. It's I found it like eerily relatable too, where you're like, they go in there and they've had so little for so long that just having everything. something Yeah, having having a place to call their own becomes everything to them. And Chaplin is genuinely delighted at what she's found. He's mm-hmm. he's looking around this house like, Oh my god, it has four walls and a roof. There's even a window. There's a over table here. and a place where we can put our food down and a bench. That's, that's not the dirt, you know. And then, like, I mean, he sits down in his chair, and the chair legs go through the floorboards, yep. and then they just move the table over a little bit and resume their lives. It's beautiful, dude. Because look, I don't know if this is going to come as a shock to all of you who are listening, but um, wealth distribution in this country is a little lopsided. At present, Just let us a little say, bit. Yeah. yeah, like you know, there's a good chance that, and who knows, man? Maybe we have a bunch of millennial millionaire listeners, and in which case, if you are, in which case, head on over to uh, Patreon. Patreon.com <laughs> slash Quill and Film. Um, but don't be a lurker, be a supporter. We will talk about the the patrons, by the way. I want to thank the hell out of them for their Seriously. insane patience. Um. And and I and give them some give them some content, which is why we're here. But um, it's kind of an interesting lesson, which is like, yeah, it's no Buckingham Palace. You are the people listening to this. You are probably not Jeff Bezos. If you are Jeff Bezos, Patriot. No, but I'm just kidding. Yeah. But like, there's a good chance that we're all going to fall short in some way of the like materialist aspects of our dreams, simply because that amount of money is hard to get at you know what i mean like i mean with the exception of i know two of our friends have like the most amazing life going and i just i'm happy as shit for him but like sometimes you do end up in a shitty apartment with mm-hmm. like cracks in the walls and some water damage or sometimes you buy the the only house you can afford and man it's a unique fixer-upper opportunity yeah, man. yeah i know you and uh you and d have been looking around a little bit and i imagine it's- Fucking I'm, scary out there, man. I imagine you've seen some unique fixer-upper opportunities. Well, the, those are going for about three twenty right now. Yeah, the market's kind of fucked. Let's let our, us our, say. our real estate friends that are are digging really hard. Whenever they send us anything, it's like Jesus Christ, man! Like three hundred and twenty thousand dollars, two bedroom, fourteen hundred square feet. Right, and it's not like recently remodeled with all new. Like it is shag carpet replace the cabinets roof needs a little bit of work right, like right. that's you're, where we are right now brother yeah, you're, like, you're walking into 50 50 grand just to make it livable yeah but there is a there's something about this there's something about this scene in this movie that the reason that i find it uplifting and and beautiful and heartbreaking is to some extent i think that like that's this is an experience I am f- like f- personally familiar with. You get into a place that's got some issues. You've been over to my my place, man. You know, mm-hmm. like where I'm sitting right now. I'm sitting in uh, Bird's office chair, 
and I'm mm-hmm. looking at the top of my computer screen, and my computer screen is at maybe a 30-degree angle from level because the floor, like this part of the house, is literally like sinking and you the play a very fun settling. game with a sack of marbles in your living room to kitchen Hell to yeah, dude. office area. You can... It's like we're drop them all in the center of the room and bets on which direction they all go. In. Yeah, dude, <laughs> it is not... There's, like, it's, there's definitely some listing. There's cracks in the ceiling. There's a little bit of water damage here and there. And yet... Mm-hmm. If you, it really doesn't matter where you are. It matters who you're with and what. Yeah. And because I love, I love being in your apartment, and I yeah. love how it feels in your space. Like it's because of what you have, and the perps have have made it. Right. It's it's what you. It's kind of like what you do with the space, and it's it, in the big. The biggest thing for me is it's the attitude at which you approach your situation. I've yeah. recently been rereading um, Cosmic Trigger by Robert Anton Wilson. And one of the most interesting ideas in that book to me is this idea of the reality tunnel. And we don't have to go like way deep into this. I know I've talked about it on the show before, but the basic gist of it is this. As human beings, we have actually no way of interacting with the world outside our own minds. What the world is, truly, what reality is, is it's a series of sensor, it's a bunch of sensory information that's coming in through our limited senses. It's what we hear, it's what we see, it's what we can smell, taste, touch, um, and that we our brains take that information and they build what our what the world is now depending on your mindset or what you can trick your brain into believing is true your reality can change drastically the famous mm-hmm. example is they did a, a an experiment where they essentially did um, classical conditioning to force a bunch of people's brains to believe that the color blue was green and the color green was blue and it, the re- effects of that lasted for about six months without reinforcement. So after they were able to get about 70% of the people to actually click over into that, where the sky looked the color of grass and all the trees were the color of the sky, it was apparently quite fucked up. But yeah. those effects lasted for six months. So they were literally able to create a group of people who were walking around in a world where the sky was green. Truly. So if you can make your brain see a green sky then, well, no, that's not objectively true. Well, for those people, it is. It, it's 1,000% objective. For my dad, it's objectively true that uh, green and red look like different shades of brown. Right, That colorblind. is his objective reality. Right, yeah, yeah. So, like... There's no amount of description or... There, there's nothing that will ever inform his brain what red and green look like. Right, that's, that's simply... There's no concept of that. That is simply like not available. Sorry, I just got. I'm always watching my phone now, just in case. Um, oh, me too. But uh, but yeah, man. So like the but Robert Anton Wilson says that he gets into like how mindset can really affect that. Like if you wake up and you're like, man, look at my shitty apartment. I don't have a Ferrari, and this fucking sucks, and I'll never do this, and la 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 la. That's your reality, man. Yeah. Yes, yeah, so that is that becomes the reality that you're shaping and building. And this is a really this movie, this moment in modern times is a really amazing example of how much your approach to your life and how much your mindset about your life can affect your quality of life. One might argue that that is everything as far as like your perception of the world around you. It works the other way too, man. People that are that are uh, born into or have amassed a large amount of wealth in a short amount of time, they literally have everything they could possibly want or need. Right. And 
and have them have this mental image of either it's not enough or it's too much or this is now a prison sure and wouldn't it be better if so it's all of it's what we create in our mind is our as as the translation of the space around us is everything i mean our perception is reality that's the whole thing i'm a little bit keyed into this right now as well um just on a personal level because one of the things that obviously as my mom is going through her chemotherapy treatments Mm -hmm. one of the big things for her is her mindset day to day yeah you know because like obviously super super scary um physically really difficult mentally really difficult just like just just thinking about like knowing what chemotherapy is and the the reality of that that is happening you know there are some days where or it's not it's not even days it'll it's changes like hour hour to hour sometimes where like she'll come down and she'll just be like oh i'm not even no you know not even she hasn't done started her third round of six yet so she's like i'm not even halfway through and i'm already feeling so tired oh man i was and the other thing is reading online about everybody's you know side effects where you read like well this person's nose fell off and you know this this person's eyeballs turned into snakes you know like there's a lot of like crazy shit that happens doesn't happen as often well yeah yeah but but i i keep but no terrifying like yeah obviously and and i i try not to minimize that but i always say like well yeah but don't put that in your head don't have that in your Mm -hmm. head because you know like like tomorrow you're not experiencing that now and these are just these are potential side effects that some people suffer from. That doesn't mean that you're going to get them. And so far, she's been really lucky. I, I, the only two real side effects that she's had so far are fatigue, which is basically universal. Everybody goes through fatigue. There's just no way around it. Mm-hmm. And she lost her hair. We had a fun little like head shaving party where we buzzed her down, and she looked kind of like Gia so. Jen. Two beautifully buzzed women. Live I know. In I'm house living now. in just a house full of bald women, and I've got like 16 inch long hair. This is the best ever. Beautiful. But like. But that's the big thing is when I, you, I can see it day to day when she approaches it as like, I'm almost halfway through and I'm not having these side effects and symptoms. Mm-hmm. Her energy level goes up. Her appetite goes up. She physically, be, like, I, I, not in a healing way maybe necessarily, but she physically gets better. She can yeah. eat more. She's got more energy. She wants to go do stuff. She'll hang out outside. She's down here talking and laughing and chucking and driving. And then other days where she's, just read something on webmd or like got an update from her doctor worst sight ever you really do see the fatigue gets uh it takes hold a little bit more or her appetite will decline and that's really interesting i did ask her by the way if i could like kind of talk a little bit on the show so i'm not Uh talking out of turn i am no fair i figured as much yeah but um but i think that's that's really interesting to see that in at least a small way her own perspective on her situation physically changes how her situation is. And you know, it's interesting. It, it, it circles back to the earlier part of this conversation uh, regarding like the fear of the fall. Like that's one thing like that sites like WebMD inject into a person is all of these like it shows you thousand different things showing you the fall. Something could potential never potentially never happen is right. for people that even like people that, that get on there. Like my, my, freaking mom will get on there if she has like a sore throat and she'll she'll freak out she'll like oh my god my throat's gonna fall off i have hey bro I i've have done it liz- i have lizards growing in my brain or whatever yeah. like, like, Dude. no probably probably not though mom I, <laughs> like, I can't even tell you how many times i've like i've had a little bit of a headache going on you know and i'm like wait 
Oh my god. I, I've got a little bit of a headache and also my left hand hurts. Headache, left hand hurts. And I'm like, oh hurts. god, it's an aneurysm. Oh yep. fuck, it's a brain tumor. And you're like, yeah, you have 10 minutes to live. <laughs> yeah, Go yeah, ahead yeah. and write what you need now. But it's the same thing. It's injecting that fear. Yeah. That fear, which then creates that whole like Absolutely. That, that trapped like state where you're just well i might as well not send that paper in because what if nobody likes it well i'm gonna all these horrible things are gonna happen with my treatment now like it's the same fucking thing it's crazy man it's very very liberating and again like the coolest part this is why i love doing the show with you is no matter what movie we are talking about well except for like some of the really really garbagey ones but most of the good movies we talk about can they're they are like weirdly applicable to now and into things yep. into our own personal lives and into broad human issues. Those are, and it's not even always like good movies. Most movies, most successful pieces of art, even if critics hate them because they're not yeah. shot very well, there's stuff in there. So I don't know, man. Like watching watching them like go around the house when they cut the fucking their sandwich bread. Right? They're like, well, we're gonna have some sandwiches. giant bread. <laughs> You've never seen a slice of bread so big. Um, so they, they cut this, these thick slices of bread that are literally like, like a five finger pour of scotch thick chunk yep. of bread on top, chunk of bread on the bottom. And then it's like, it's like two volumes of the encyclopedia Britannica <laughs> pressed together. And the best part about this for, for you, uh, for you young kids out there an encyclopedia is a book that has all the words in it. They used to sell them in sets, and they would be creepy people who really just wanted to get a glimpse at your underage daughter. No, I'm kidding. I don't know. Encyclopedia salesmen are probably fine. Yeah. Did you notice, by the way, what type of sandwich that was? It's a butter Meek. sandwich. Oh, butter. They're literally just eating. They're like, oh, yeah, I've packed a sandwich for you for lunch, and you see them like making the sandwich, and it's a, a smear butter of butter and, bread. and then two thick-ass pieces of bread, which – Funny because of how big the bread is. Heartbreaking because of what that is in reality. God, but you know what though? Like we just watched uh, Danielle just watched V for Vendetta for the first Holy time a couple shit. of nights ago. So good. Because um, we were watching something and like Hugo Weaving came up. Oh, we we're gonna watch Captain America: The First Avenger. She's like, "Ooh, this has got that guy from Lord of the Rings in it." And I'm like, "Wait, have you seen V for Vendetta?" <laughs> And she's like, no, I haven't. I immediately stopped Captain America and like good. we're watching Dude, V. Good on you. What? Blew her blew her fucking mind for one thing. Yep. She's like, this is I've never seen anything like this. Mm-hmm. The writing is so I said uh it's prescient and she didn't know what that word meant, so I thought that was adorable. But anyways, um Well now now in a weird way, if the movie had been made now It's not even it's yeah, it's like fuck you get if you'd made it now they would have been like well obviously well, that's obviously how, how passe what? but they made it in like 2005 or six or whatever Five? You know? yeah. yeah but um but butter is a major part of that whole when, when she shows up to the shadow gallery for the first time and he makes her eggies in a basket yeah and she's like butter oh my god i haven't had butter since i was a kid because it's rationed. a banned substance yeah, and yeah. rationed but like they have the butter on the bread here in in modern times, and it's like I it's highly... butter and bread. This is a delicacy. We we've, right. we've arrived. Like we <sighs> we used to just have dry bread. Now we have butter for you and Danielle. Yeah, like what a wealthy man am I? But at I highly recommend that you and Danielle, if you haven't read it for a while, I highly recommend mm-hmm. reading, going back and rereading Alan Moore and I think it's Dave Gibbons. I'm no David mm-hmm. Lloyd. 
Alan Moore and David Lloyd's V for Vendetta. That comic yeah, book. I, the, I love the Wachowski film, but the comic oh, man, is yeah. like times a thousand. So I had read it more recently than the last watch of the film and going back and watching the film, having the reread the, head. the graphic novel in my head, I was like, they hit so much of it. Yeah. But then there are some bits that are just like, ooh, Ooh, I wish that they had had I, room for that or space for that or right. hadn't combined certain things together or separated certain. Th- well, they always do that. And, and they modernize films, it, right? too. But yeah, definitely. Um, they do. They bring it to the the to the more modern 2014, I think, is when the the future 2014 is the the film version. Right, right. Like it is it the Alan Moore comic or like 2009 is the future or so? I, I don't remember well he did the comic but... i believe at the end of the thatcher era so it'd be like sometime in the 80s when they did the comic and i think it was in, set right in, it might have even been set in the 90s 90s yeah okay that's that seems more more like There's, what i remember because well, the future 1999 in the right future. yeah well that was the that was the <laughs> era when we were gonna get the jetpacks and the and bezos yep, was gonna fly exactly. us all to mars but uh that's there's right. there's a great line in the comic there's a, actually a just when they introduce the ostensible head, the the head of the the government who's dealing with the, his big computer surveillance program. Mm-hmm. The first line that he says is like it's it's in a little caption box and it's my name is so and so and such and such and I'm a fascist. And then he explains over the course of several pages why he's not ashamed to say he's a fascist and he defends fascism. And reading that, you could almost just transpose that entire script to like most of the mm-hmm. more radical like republican politicians in the country it's wild dude it's fucking really <laughs> crazy because you look at it and you're i mean there's even a- in the in the in the movie too there's so many lines of dialogue or moments or things that happen where you're like this is frighteningly accurate there's a great interview with alan moore where he something was- that was written in the early to mid 80s <laughs> well it's, dude there's if you go back and read any british comics from the thatcher era they were all worried that Thatcher was going to do what eventually ended up happening. And right. there's a, there's some debate now about whether or not th- what they wrote about was what caused all that shit to happen. Like Alan Moore has this famous interview where the, he says, I was sitting down and I was, I was seeing the, my, my country go in a, in a direction that I was very uncomfortable with fascism. And I thought, what would be the best visual representation that I could use to show the readers immediately that this is a fascist civilized, this is a fascist culture and this city and this country and these people are under a really brutal dictatorial regime that has taken away all their freedoms and has asserted absolute control. And he said, and it came to me immediately. I would just draw this a world that I couldn't fathom existing where there was a security camera on every corner. So you just filled the city with security cameras. And now when you read the book, you don't even notice the security cameras because that is a thing that happened. That's fucking London crazy, is the man. most heavily surveilled city in the world. The CCTV is man. number two. Yep. So like that, what he used as a symbol to show the show f- like future readers that this is the worst thing that could ever possibly happen to our society. There's so many cameras in the UK that they use it as a plot point in Torchwood. Yeah, dude. Somebody like, and he's he always worries. He's like, I've always been worried that somebody you know somewhere in Parliament read my comic and was like, Hey, that's a good that's idea. That's a good idea, and that's what might have caused uh, it. I know. I'm, it. I'm sorry. I've taken us far afield, but we're talking about shit I like. I love me some comics. Well, it's all ties in so beautifully to modern times, though, because it's all 
really talking about the same shit. Like, it's fucking crazy, man. <laughs> it's fucking crazy. Um, I don't know if it, I think we we talked about this on the first episode of this. Like the fact that this still reads, yeah, as like is it kind of makes me feel kind of horrible that a lot of what we're <laughs> seeing in modern times still resonates today. We're like, yeah, well, that's still a fucking that thing. Checks that checks out. That checks out. Don't learn anything in almost a hundred fucking years. Like it's pretty nuts, dude. We're actually currently not to talk too oh. much about soapboxy things, but we're actually going drastically backwards in a lot of ways yeah in recent weeks i mean where certain things are being removed yeah yeah. i don't want to i want to get i know that shit i know this it's the biggest can of worms of our yeah i was gonna say lifetime but man it's been a kind of is but with seeing shit like that happen with our current government and like the supreme court and then watching a movie like modern times we're like not only have we not gotten as far along as we would have hoped, we're actually we're we're taking away, we're retconning, yeah. if you will, some of the progress that has been made over the last hundred years or so. Right, like we're we're, I mean, the 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 movie bears the conversation, and I we I won't dig into the deep stuff, but like we're yeah. at a point in our society now where some of the things that this movie kind of looks sideways or like like kind of like ah oh, these are critiques things. in a way well it, it things that are coming like for example like, oh sure like labor unions and certain rights for certain people i i mm-hmm. if i hint too much at it we'll just end up no, in the it's pond. Fine. but, but like, yeah yeah there are things in this movie that in 1936 that are currently at that time being fought for and will shortly hereafter become the law of the land and become established that in now in 2022 are being rolled back to those 1936 fucking state of affairs. We're heading all the way back to before World War II in a, some instances here. It's it's very weird and kind of... This movie is upsettingly well-titled. Yep. You know what I mean? Like, Yep, it makes me nauseous sometimes. Yeah, like, like no matter modern where... Modern times. Yeah. It's... Yep. So I, I think it's really interesting. I'll, I'll, I'll just burn through the last of these notes so we can yep. get out of here, but... um. But so he goes off to go get a job so that they can get a quote real home, right? So he ends up right. he ends up sneaking back in and working at the same factory that he got fired from initially. Um, but I, the, one of the biggest tragedies of this movie is the fact that they're missing. He is missing the point. I think she's fully aware. She gets a home and she's perfectly happy. But he yep. eats his little butter sandwich and he's like, "Now I go get a job, and then we can have a real home." A real home. This. Mm-hmm. But he's missing. He's missing the fact that they've been at home with one another all along. The, every yep. moment these two characters are together, they're at peace. They're happy. They're having fun. They're they're living pleasant and enjoyable lives. And it's when he gets hung up on the trappings of it that tragedy, or and obviously in this movie, it's comedic tragedy happens again sure. and again. Like for example, he comes in to help fix one of the machines that I think it's implied that he initially broke at the beginning of the movie. Yeah, I think it. Yeah. And the uh, the engineer who he's like assisting gets sucked into the machine the way that he did. Obviously, there's a whole shitload of hilarious slapstick that happens in between there, but the feeding him his lunch while he's trapped in the machine well, is pretty fucking great. Well, that's what I want to talk to because I think that's another little interest to, or talk about because that's another little interesting moment where 
the engineer gets sucked into his own machine and his head pops out. And in that moment, he becomes a physical representation of the machine that he's made. He's a head mm -hmm. without a body. He's become literally a mechanized man. And what we find out is, as a mechanized man, he's not even capable of feeding himself anymore. Which is interesting because that's that's uh, kind of, it's it's going back to the earlier scene in the film where a machine is feeding. My goodness, I know, ladies, they're very upset. So the next couple of months, listener, where where the machine <laughs> is feeding the man, and now the man is feeding the machine in the man, the man in the machine. Yeah, I mean, he he shows up as this disembodied head, and what I took away from this is this guy this guy's like an engineer. He's not a worker. This is the dude who designed the machinations, designed yep. the machine, and he the specialists. I wrote down this these high these highly trained specialized specialized workers can't even feed themselves without the working class. Who mm -hmm. grows your wheat? Who you know who slaughters the chickens? Exactly. I kind of don't think it's the Silicon Valley guys who are slaughtering the chickens. You know, you need the workers and you need the working class. And what we see in this movie is the erasure of the working class because the that um, like the the factory the factories and the the industrial class either doesn't want to or can't afford to employ them anymore actually in a fucked up way we're actually seeing some of that in the city where you and i both live dude like mm -hmm. there's a lot of restaurants that have been closing lately because they can't hire dishwashers because the cost of living is too high no so, one can afford to live within a hundred miles of yeah, the city. It's kind of getting to that point where literally you're looking at like an hour hour and a half commute to even well find even places what that used to be like like Kingsley, um, uh, Glendale, like other places that were like 20, 30 minutes. Yeah, like drives. half hour drive from here. Those are now ridiculous. Yeah. You've got to go, you got to go to like Cadillac, and Cadillac's it's too expensive. Like, there's it's, nowhere to fucking live. Yeah, it's ramping up all over the place. And one of the things that mm -hmm. you see are these complaints where it's like, oh, my favorite restaurant's closing. I want to go eat at my favorite restaurant. And you're like, sorry, your favorite restaurant could not employ people to work it because. Because this, a, not I don't want to get into the city, but the, like right, New, yeah, New yeah, York yeah. City is dealing with this problem. San Francisco, Los Angeles, this is a, most cities. Most, I would say most cities are now starting to deal with this problem where the cost of living has become way higher than the wage can match, and your workforce is vanishing. And when you have a vanishing workforce, all the fun shit that you like to do. Sorry, there's no one there to make it be open so you can no do it. No one can make the thing happen. Yeah, It takes yeah. people to do that, in, my friends. In this case, the engineer can't even eat without the workers. And ultimately, yep. he gets he gets fucking thrown out, too, because some once again, it's that brotherhood thing. The dude rolls through, gets the yep. chaplain, goes, get your coat. We're on strike. We're on strike. <laughs> yep. So off they go on strike. A cop gets hit in the head with a brick thrown by somebody else. And once again, Chaplin goes to jail. Oh, my God. Third time's a charm. Yeah, really. he'll, he'll learn this time for sure. Isn't it interesting that this movie fucking deals with recidivism and points out that recidivism is not a, uh, it's not a mean streak or a criminal streak in people. It's right. literally leaving jail without the tools to reenter society. Exactly. So once again, desperation points our recently incarcerated felon who's just been freed to reoffend and go back into the system. This movie understands how, modern recidivism in 36. Yeah, man. It's that, and that's how you get fucking uh, Birdman kicking his stool out from under his own feet and hanging himself. Like, yeah. Steve was here or whatever the fuck. Like. 
I don't remember his name from Shawshank. Uh, Steve carved carved his name into uh, to the cross. Well, no, and... that was back in the day, Carl. That would have been Stephen. Stephen, I yes. apologize. So Stephen was here <laughs> but with no. a proper with a proper V. But it it really does become like a sort of a sort of horrible wheel, you know. Like when you're at the when you're at the you're in you're in jail. They let you you go to you you're you're in such a shitty situation that you do something to try and better your situation. You're caught doing it. You're thrown in jail. You are taken out of jail eventually at some point, having been incarcerated for so long that you're no longer able to adapt to society, which leaves you once again helpless. So you do a thing to either get back into a familiar situation or to once again try and better your situation, which, of course, is punished by... You go back to jail. Putting you back in jail. I mean, Cha- you're not wrong, man. Chaplin goes to jail three times in this movie. Meanwhile, mm-hmm. the gammon is dancing at a cafe. Um, I thought this was kind of an interesting little, like, sort of counterpoint to his character, where his character is kind of trying to engage with the grind. He's trying to get the factory job. He's trying. And that's to- what he knows too. I mean, that's his particular mold in this movie. It's true, and I I like the idea though. I don't know, obviously, what Chaplin's going for here because we right. don't do a lot of we we approach movies with just our own brains, and that kind of makes I think that's what makes our show interesting is sometimes we'll be like and and the Viking women in the sea serpents <laughs> yeah. land that's actually a metaphor for I think the uh, most research we do is a brief glance through the trivia section of yeah, IMDb we, if the movies got some really crazy stunts and shit wanna, in it like want to find out did anyone die on this shoot yeah was like, it, did anyone die who was fucking who <laughs> like, yep. those are kind of the big ones. But um, I think it's interesting that in this movie, once Chaplin has seen Inside the Machine, he's no longer able to be part of it anymore. He tries mm-hmm. again and again to become a cog. It's like that thing in The Matrix where they're like, ignorance is bliss. All that that guy, uh-huh. all, is it Cypher? Cypher. All, all Cypher, Cypher wants yeah. is to be- Joey Pants! Yeah, all he wants is to be- <laughs> he wants is to be reinserted into the matrix that's all he wants he wants to just be a cog he doesn't want to have to think because the world is so fucking hard and he sees how hard it is i want to remember nothing 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 you hear me you know like i know that when this steak goes into my mouth it's just the the matrix sending me ones and zeros that make me taste that it's juicy and delicious. <clears throat> Ignorance is bliss. You know, like that truly, there's a reason that the matrix is the only movie that Gnostics point to again and again. is like, well, fuck. I mean, it's totally fucking Gnostic shit. Two and three are garbage. The first one's a masterpiece. Once you, once you see the clockwork, it's really hard to be part of the clock again. Mm-hmm. The gammon, on the other hand, she's working, but as an artist... Mm-hmm. And I wrote down while all these factory workers are being laid off because they're part of a, an arithmetic. They're part of a big math equation. How many cogs do we need to make this machine run? So they're all getting laid off and thrown out the door. But the reason that she's able to work as an artist is and now this sounds crazy to say in 2022 where art is like the least valued thing you could possibly do with your life. But true. But joy and laughter and entertainment and something interesting to pay attention to. Those things are never out of demand. You always need storytellers. You always need dancers and singers and people. What got us through two years of pandemic and quarantine art. and lockdown was fucking art. It's art, man. And I think, oh, it wasn't art. It was just Netflix. Watched all my Netflix. Yeah. Who do you think made all those Netflix art, shows? Man. Art. I, I, 
I know it's naive, and it'll probably end me. It'll probably have me like talking to raccoons in a dumpster <laughs> in a fucking dump somewhere. You know, someday like I'm entertaining my audience. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll come. I'll come hang out and play champions with you though. Still, th- thanks, dude. But you gotta watch yeah, out for uh, for robber raccoon Pete, dude. He is a yeah. Marvel champions. He's a he's a shark. He literally will. He eats the cards. Is what happens. Somehow so. he only plays the villains, he's, which is weird. Which you can't even do in champions. You can't even do that. But he does he do. Does. It. That. And he'll eat your heroes. You play a card, he'll just fucking eat that card. It really adds a dynamic. You play, you play a mockingbird? What? You think you're gonna stun me? Delicious. And you used uh, used some resources there, so now you're <laughs> fucking. You're like, damn, he's such a. Those burger tokens are delicious. <laughs> <laughs> I've been shitting glass for days. <laughs> <laughs> Pennies in glass just shooting out of my ass. And that's dangerous, too, because you get one of those in the eye. Not only do you lose your eye, you might get a brain infection from raccoon shit. Anyway, what yep. I'm saying is, is I'm gonna, my third act looks like King Lear because I've always believed, to some extent, that art is, I truly think, one of the noblest things that you can do. I, I agree. I just love this aspect of the human experience is the creation of something from nothing or the creation of something from fragments of other things and then turning that around and making people think and thrill to it and enjoy it. Come in, come something on. Even, yeah, something even as simple as I'm mean, looking at this like just collection of pigments next to me. It's like even though I didn't make the miniature model that I'm painting mm-hmm. when it when I prime it it's in shades of gray black and white right there's no color on it right and the, but what I can do is I can take a brush and I can select a few colors and then I can apply that to this colorless hunk of plastic and turn it into something vibrant and and pleasing to the eye and that almost looks like living on the table when you set it down like right even that thing which is not having an impact on society as a whole me me painting rita repulsa yeah, is yeah. not going to like change the world <laughs> in some way but or have someone turn their thought prop but in my own little universe and in my mind in my perception well, is, of my reality there is no world i have created i have created something out of nothing yeah or 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 made a combination of colors and imagery that is pleasing to me that i can then show to somebody else right like i did to you earlier like yeah look at this bloody patroller isn't (laughs) it cool but but like you're i think your miniatures are weirdly like maybe the best example i can think of of this because a, a big assembly line plug and play clockwork production facility stamped out and pumped out those gray shapes that are sitting yes. on your table but your application of time attention and imagination brought them to life right you know like a paper mill made the sketchbooks that bird fills and and right. pr- pumped out the pencils but it was bird that put that brought them to life and made them useful art is art should be there's my favorite quote ever it's the winston churchill one during world war ii um, Britain was getting fucking pounded by German artillery and bombing runs. Just London was in, not in a good shape. And uh, the British Parliament was trying to figure out where they could cut money out of their budget to reallocate funds to the war effort. And one of the, Churchill is still prime minister at this point, and one of the people around the table said, well, we should probably cut cut all funding for the arts. It's wartime, you know. We need to cut funding to the arts. And Churchill mm-hmm. stood up and said, 
if we cut funding to the arts, then what are we fighting for? Yes. And I, yes. I think to some extent that's, that's being overlooked or lost nowadays. And I think that turning back to that in some ways could, could change the world. But I'm yeah. a dreamer, man. So what do I so, fucking so, know? So am I, dude. So that, that puts <laughs> us both on the same fucking page. Um, so Chaplin, the end of the movie is actually kind of awesome because Chaplin's job working as a waiter is like every one of my serving, serving nightmares from back in the day. Every single one of them combined into one hellacious night of serving. It's not even Chaplin's fault. I'm going to go ahead and say that the way this cafe is set up is more than half to blame. Oh, that's my note. (laughs) We cannot blame him for his poor service. They're overseeding their dining room. Yes. They're. They, they, it's 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 hold on. Where there's there's no there's no routes for the servers to walk. What are we doing? Are we doing fine dining slash mosh pit fusion? There's a live band <coughs> with like a spinning yeah. whirly gig dance floor, and then all the diners are on the outer edge, but the servers have to move through this yeah. fucking crazy Slipknot mosh yep. pit to my, get the food. My note is you clearly can't blame him for the poor service. Y'all are running a fucking madhouse in yeah. there. <laughs> It's like one flew over the chop house, you know. It's it's unfucking believable because they yeah. they they're doing. It gave me so much anxiety watching that scene too. Dude, they're doing like a throwdown, like Rob Zombie crazy madhouse. Literally, the center the center dance dance portion, the dance hall is like a mosh pit, wall to wall with people just spinning, throwing elbows, and what he's expected to do is go do like table side carving of the bird he he's, has sharp knives on his tray he's doing table side uh carving yes. yeah of like a yeah. duck doing wine service he's doing silver tray french service silver tray white glove french service with a full suit on and he has to walk through this fucking madhouse it's like a it's a meat grinder of people mm-hmm. and of course obviously very funny but but at the same time, it does give you like server anxiety where you're like, oh my God, dude, that fire ticket was like 30 minutes ago. That bird ago. is dry. Management's up your ass. And of course, as always, no offense to you, you were a manager when I met you, but like management's Fine. up your ass and they don't know what the fuck is going on. No, nope. like, this no guy's, clue. this guy's upset. So you're going to be fucking fired if you don't deal with it. And then you have to be like, well, no, but that guy's a moron. Well, that's why as a manager, I trusted my servers <laughs> to run the dining room if they needed. You uh, were a- I was there. Yes. I was there to table touch. Yep, yep. And to to thank patrons for coming in and to put out fires as needed. Yes, but sometimes I'm never going to crawl in my server's fucking ass. I'll plate. <laughs> I'll help expo, and I'll fucking do dishes if I need to. And that's run the whatever I need to do. That's why you were one of the best managers I ever worked under. Honestly, thank in a restaurant, you. dude, it's because you would just you're like you guys know what you're doing. If yeah. I step in and try and micromanage you, I'm going to fuck up your flow. So you were there yep. as a facilitator. This manager yep. is not. He's like, I'll put that bird up your fucking ass. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> that ticket's been hanging for five minutes. So, yeah, well, help me run the fucking food then. Well, no, because I'm busy. I'm managing. You know, it's like that old thing. But Oh, my God. Manage by grabbing a fucking plate out of the window and help me take it to table five, you piece of shit. There <laughs> Could you just run this bird to table five for just me? Just run it. Just, just run, run it. I'm waiting, fucking... on I'm waiting on fries, man. The fryer's been eight tickets behind all night. They didn't even cut the fry. I mean, like, not to bring back yeah. real stories from that place where we worked, but do you remember the night yeah. when we were famous for our hand-cut fries and we were like, I need steak frites, and they're like, we didn't have time to cut fries. Like, hmm? 
yeah, we're going to have to call the owner, and now you guys are all going to be killed in the alley. Yeah, exactly. Like, why would you not cut fries, you fucking idiots? <laughs> well, we didn't have time to, we didn't have time to cut we didn't fries. Have, for, we didn't have time. What? what were you doing? We were making Vietnamese smoking, street meat. Smoking, smoking cigarettes. cigarettes. Making, making Vietnamese street meat for comida. For comida. It's like, we kind of need the fries, guys. But we need the frites, though, guys. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> That was one of the best jobs I ever had in my fucking yeah. life. I oh, loved dude, that I place. loved it. I loved yep. that place, man. What a fucking shit show. So Chaplin gets basically just shoved out on the floor to go sing a song. I love this. This is my, one of my favorite parts of the whole movie, knowing what you told me. Yes. I thought, oh, go ahead. You go ahead and explain. Well, because I thought he was actually speaking a language or some singing in some sort of dialect that I was unfamiliar with, but it sounded like a mix of French and German and and some other, like, Right, you, you, Eurocentric. You try and figure out what he sounds familiar while yeah. being like, "Wait, I so, well, it you seems start, so familiar." You but you start I'm not out for it. sure that it's French. You're like, "That's definitely yes. French," but then you're like, "You're like, like, I know that, I know like, that. Oh, that's French. He's that's got French. that snooty, smarmy accent. That's a well, wait, but that I think that word was that sounds like German. Actually, hold on, is mm-hmm. it? Is it? And then you're trying to figure it out, but so. The song that he's actually supposed to sing, I just love love the lyrics. Basically, it's, I think I wrote it down. I can't remember if I wrote it down verbatim or not, but I do think, honestly, that this is the legitimate lyrics of the song. A pretty girl and a gay old man flirted on the boulevard. He was a fat old thing, but his diamond ring caught her eye. It's a story about a gold digger. But when he goes out there, he like, he like flings his hands to the side to start and his cufflinks fly off. Because he's written, not his cufflinks, his his cuffs, his, his yeah. actual shirt cuffs. Because back in '36, they weren't part of your shirt; they were a thing you tucked into your jacket. Yeah, actually, yeah, the world was fucking weird. But he he wrote the lyrics, or the the gammon wrote the lyrics on his cuffs, and he flings them off, and then he goes to look at his wrists. I don't have my words here. And the band is just vamping, and he's just like, "I'm gonna keep dancing." Exactly. And then he like does a little shimmy over there, and he's like. I fucking lost the lyrics. And the gammon's like, sing anything. He goes, make it up. Make it up. And he's like, fuck. Okay, here we go. And he's doing his thing and he's dancing and he's singing. And that's, that's crazy because this is the only time in any Charlie Chaplin film up to this point. Because mm-hmm. this is, remember, this is actually probably the last The end of the film silent era. Yeah. Jazz singer has already happened. We've never heard Chaplin's voice before so the, if as best I can remember it because remember again this episode is now like four months old but yeah. what he is singing and you get the story when he sings the song even though you have no idea what language why I love it is, so much you still you get, get it you get the whole story what he is singing is total gibberish it's every syllable, every sound, everything coming out of his mouth, completely just made up. Nothing actually means anything. There's no words in the whole thing. And what he manages to do is give you the song he was going to sing just using gestures and body which language. Is in, which is incredible because just my brain just sort of simmering on this. We're at the end of the silent era. Where the the words that are coming out of the actor's mouth don't matter. We have to be informed by a card that tells us what they're saying. Right, right. So now we're in this film where we're incorporating the actual sound in sync with the mouth. Right. But still, that action is not servicing us and informing us of what the words actually are. 
we have to gather that through now his physical performance which is taking its place of like the the card giving it so it's still like it's playing into that yeah we might have talking pictures now where the words are going to come out at the same time as my lips moving yeah but it might still be gibberish and it probably still will be gibberish but through film through the art of visual storytelling we can still we can still share information and have our stories told in that way with the words don't matter right it I think I remember reading that one of the reasons that he decided to do that was because in some sense, this character is the tramp. Um, So he wanted to retire that character. He didn't want, he wanted to retire that character pure. He didn't want to retire that character with like, and now he's going to say some stuff. He wanted to Mm -hmm. stay true to the nature of that, which that particular character of his, which was a silent film character. And also because he was doing so many other silent film um, standards in this film as sort of his, in a, in a retrospective way, a goodbye to the silent era. Yeah. I think it's, I think it's interesting. It's a critique of the talkies, which is like, yeah, and I think you you did touch on it just now. We're like, yeah, okay, here. You guys want to hear me sing? Here I'm singing. Here are the words coming out of my mouth. Are you getting anything from them? Or is my right. physical performance enough as it always has been? Exactly, man. You know, like that's what he's getting. I, that's what he's getting across, truly. I, I really, oh, we ne- I, you know, I just realized we never actually did the episode with Sarah uh, for Singing in the Rain. No, we just watched the movie and then never sat down to like talk about it. But... That would be a good one to Someday. follow up this conversation as it, it this is the end of the silent era. Right. And the whole plot of Singing in the Rain is Jazz Singer just came out. We got to figure out how to make the Dueling Cavalier into a talking picture. You don't and like our... how my voice sounds. You don't like how I talk. <laughs> <laughs> that era, yeah. I can never get a word in edgewise. We're, cu- we're, I mean, we're. Oh my god, I'm sorry, I just remembered the uh, Dead Men Don't, no, uh, the man with two brains Yeah <laughs> Perfect It's gonna be a hundred bucks for- He just, just runs away Duke, 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 Duke of Oil, Oil, Oil Duke of Oil, Oil, Oil <laughs> But I, I also think it's really It's very cool that at the end of this movie, which is all about a dude who was a cog in the machine trying desperately to scramble back into the Matrix, what does he ultimately end up doing? He's a waiter slash artist. Okay, yeah. 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 That's how it ends, man. He becomes an artist waiter, and he's... And he's living with the like things are fairly legit. He he comes to a pretty... and he's living with a twelve year old gammon. But we won't necessarily. Well, she's not, the actress is not twelve. She's like twenty five. We figured it out in the first one. She's in her mid twenties. Right. But yeah, I mean, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know, man. It's nineteen thirty six. It ain't good. I was gonna say things have changed, but Jelaine Maxwell's still running around free, so maybe not. Um, yeah. Well, she's not. She's in custody, but we haven't gotten any fucking answers about that. No. Sorry, it's been a real tinfoil kind of month oh, for me. So, good, um, so the, the very end of this movie, the last thing in this movie, is the gammon and Chaplin and the, the, the tramp sitting side by side. And what the gammon says, I think it's the last printed thing we see on screen. I can't remember for sure, but um, she says, what's the use of trying? Because remember, they do this beautiful thing, and then the cops show up to arrest them again because they find out that the gammon had escaped from a workhouse. 
she's she was supposed to go into like an orphanage or something. Yep. And they realized who she is. So like the truant, not truant officers, but like the like child protective services essentially come to yep. collect her, and then Chaplin fights them off, and they escape again. And then they're sitting because once again, even though they found happiness as artists. The man has come along and ground him back down, and they sit down again, back to square one, got to start all over, and the gammon says, what's the use of trying? And the last line of this movie is the tramp, and it's a it's a dialogue card, and then you actually, the very last thing that he says, you have to read his lips. They don't give you the line. It's He speaks silently, and you have to read his lips, but it's clear what he's saying. He says, buck up, never say die, we'll get along. Mm-hmm. And that's how we end the silent film era. It, and that's how we end this movie, because then it rolls credits right after that. Buck up. Never say die. We'll get along. <laughs> it's a brilliant, pretty man. Pretty solid way to go out. Yeah. The bittersweet ending uh, is what I have written down. That apparently was my feeling. It is. At the end. It was a very bittersweet, sort of melancholy. Oh, yeah. Um, with the, with the, but, but we'll be okay. Buck up. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you it, know? Like, Keep... Goonies never say die. Yep. Stay gold, exactly. pony boy. You know, yep. like it's, yep. it is, I think it's, it's a, it's one of the things that people like us, people of an artistic persuasion, people of a creative persuasion, people who don't want to just grind, people who don't want to accept things as they are and play by the rules of the white picket fence, however uh, attractive the security of that life often is. I think that's the that's like the rallying cry for all of us is like yeah. like oh my god and honestly this is the rallying cry for everybody right now in 2022 because a few days ago there was another pretty fucking horrible mass shooting. Mhm. 19 elementary school kids and, I think is and the... two teachers, yeah. Yeah. It's and it's in the news every day and it's super bad and there's a war in Ukraine that always has this nuclear flavor in the back of its throat and we're heading into year three of COVID and COVID numbers are rising here where we live and we are in one of the hottest regions in the fucking state. in the U.S. Yeah, yeah. In, the, in the in the country. Yeah, our numbers are really not great and all the shit's going on. And when all that shit's going on, it can be really hard to sit down and try and write an indie superhero web series, you know, but right. But, yeah, but just for all all people like man that is that's a universal human sentiment where it's like mm -hmm. let's just keep going and see what happens next just keep just keep walking I mean, what other what other choice do we have i mean that i think to, to not is I, the only other choice that we have I, yeah, and that think, doesn't sound so good to me i think there's an omin there is almost an ominous edge to that one little bit of that line which is never say die yeah which is like man Especially with the the mental health crisis that's running through America right now, like that. I mean, I've been on and off a couple of medicines this year. Yeah, that's. I've been on and off working out like a fucking maniac, just trying to. Which is where I'm gonna. I'm leaning towards diet and exercise to. I'm not. To I'm clear the no. No. But. If that came off judgy, no way at all. I meant I, all. I meant was that I haven't. I probably should have honestly. No, I got. I hear you. <laughs> but um. But yeah, man. Like this movie. If we'd done this in our first season of the show, our conversation would have been totally different. I think so. It's the completely it, different. We, oh my it, god! It's why I want to keep. It's We're why talking about every time we get away yeah. from the show. I always want to get back to it for this reason because the more life we live, the more I realize that these mo these movies aren't moments in time. These mm. these movies are lenses to which you can 
look at your world through, you know, through which you can look at your world. Man, what, and, like, watching this movie and like more, more recently V for Vendetta a couple oh, of days God, ago, that just proved that. it. The, the yeah, films are a lens. They aren't a they aren't a um, a piece of history or, or, or a reflection of the time that they were made. They're a lens through which we view our current world and current situations through, and they change as we change. They always say that. Wild. There's that saying. They always say art is a mirror that you hold up to the world. You know, like even. Yeah. But I don't. Th- I think that that's only partly true. I don't think art is a mirror. I think art is a looking glass. A lens. Yep. Absolutely. You know? It so. can be a mirror if that's what the the intent is, but I think still, even if that is your intent as the writer, as the author, yeah, to to hold a mirror up to nature, as Shakespeare says. But I think it still works more as the uh, the lens to view through when you're, well, especially when you get further removed from the time and era that that particular piece was written. I mean, and it, it speaks differently. A window at and night sometimes, is a mirror, man. It's truth. You know, when it's dark outside, yeah. you see yourself. When it's light outside, you see everything else. Um, all right, you ready to? I basically want to put a pin in this so that I can hang up. Yeah, and man. you can go watch the fucking Batman. Yeah, dude, because I don't have the, <laughs> I don't have the general in me. No, so me neither. Me neither. Monday. Here's a little. Here's some boobs for you, though. Um, oh, nice boobs. Yeah, it's this nice crotch that, in there too. That same one. Yeah, that does look like a dangler. Interesting. A little bit. Um, all right. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna. I mean, yeah, be why? whatever it wants to be. Yeah, there no, you go. No, there's definitely a there's definitely a uh, fast know. bender. That looks like a little, uh, that's a that's a fast bender scenario for sure. Yeah. This looks like yeah. a belly button, but this could also be a hernia. It's like a, I think that's more of a belly button. It's piercing. a stick figure, listener. So we're really like this is a Rorschach test for well, Carl and I. Per- <laughs> it's perfect for for radio is holding up. A oh, I know. For and me to describe. let's describe a stick figure with two giant boobs drawn on it. People are gonna love that. Um, listeners, you can find us at Patreon. <laughs> <laughs> if you loved what you just heard, um, you can head on over to patreon.com slash quill and film Q U I L L A N D F I L M. Before we go any further than that, I would like to, mm-hmm. I just want to say something to our patrons. Our patrons have continued to support our show through months of nothing coming out primarily because of what, I mean, I, the go and listen to the previous episode. I think it's called when life gives you a sharp kick in the lemons or something like that. But, uh, Life's been surprisingly difficult for me for about six months. Uh, lots of personal stuff just happening back to back to back to back and taking quite a lot out of me made it very difficult to do the show. But I just had uh, fucking two hours chatting with my best friend, <laughs> laughing yeah, my buddy. ass off, and we're we're coming back at you. And the fact that so many of you, not all, not all, and I had no judgment at all. My God, I completely understand. Uh, we lost We lost one patron. He's been holding us down for years and years. Um, but I, I totally get it, man. No, no bad blood at all. Much, much love just for staying on as long as you did. But the fact that you guys stuck around and kept supporting us, even while nothing was happening is amazing. And I want to thank all of you personally. Um, Carl would have been doing the show. I did not have it in me. Um, so thank you so much for being there for us and for keeping this, keeping this thing running and for giving us a reason to come back to it because I I kept looking at that list of your names and I was like, I can't keep not giving them anything so y'all got some some pretty if you like if you like electronic music i've been putting out some banging summer jams um and we're putting out episodes we're gonna start putting out episodes regularly i am going on a little trip soon with my mom we're gonna go and visit some family elsewhere in the state but i'm bringing my laptop with me i'm gonna do some remote episodes i have programs that i can cut them up there 
shit is coming at you. Um, and we're gonna find yeah, we're gonna find a day to do the general in the next couple. So we'll wrap up that first month, and we're gonna go from there. We might we'll hopefully get Sarah on for singing in the rain. Carl and I are definitely gonna talk about the Batman at some point because it's the best Love movie to. fucking ever made. I'll have it watched by the end of the day today. So whenever you want to talk about it, All right, I'm amazing. So I I'll take this moment rather than later to thank our patrons, um, because they deserve it absolutely. Um, so thank you very much individually to each and every one of you. Thank you, uh, Casey Scheibe, John Scheibe, William Rockwood, Danielle Hartelli, Danielle Hartley, dude, she. Danielle Hartley is a tramp. Danielle yeah. Hartley, we got to get that hussy out of here. Danielle Hartley is a living saint. Um, although I hear Danielle Hartley is great in Chicago. She's, she's pretty fantastic. Thank you so much, Connor Sweeney. Thank you, Kelly and Mike Wagner, Brian Jackson, Sister Sarah Hartley, Jeffrey T. Morgan, uh, Kevin Ramirez. Thank you, brother. Thank you for hanging out as long as you did. Love you so much, dude. I've never met you. I hope I meet you someday. Um, thank you, Cassandra. Uh, your podcast is fucking kicking, and I swear to God, someday we will do some Ryan Gosling movies for you, and I will try and get back in touch. Um, thank you, Katie Clark. Thank you, Leslie Ty. Baloney Shoes, as always. Your name is disgusting, and it just makes me want to vomit every time I say it, but I love it so mm-hmm. much. Thank you, Kristen Stewart, Micah Maybe, and Mariah Rosado. You guys are incredible. Um, really, really appreciate all of you. You can head on over to quillenfilmproductions.com if you want to see basically if you want to go and see where I post the post the uh, the actual episode proper you can go and download them there. I haven't done a ton else with the site but it is where we host the original episodes if you're looking for easy downloads. Um, we are measuring flicks on Instagram and Facebook and uh, honestly Patreon's the best spot to find everything else that we're dropping because we try and push stuff there. Um, if you want to send us an email measuringflixpodcast at gmail.com and uh, honestly, that's it. Next week on Measuring Flicks, we're going to wrap up our discussion of the silent film era and the uh, the Memorial Month for my grandma with 1927's The General. Uh, or, I mean, honestly, as I've been calling it, Mad Max Fury Railroad. Uh, um, <laughs> that's fairly appropriate. Basically what it is. Um, so you guys, honestly, I watched it once and thought it was just okay, took a few notes, but then a bunch of time went by and I watched it again. And watching it the second time, I realized that it's a fucking brilliant movie, and I took two pages of notes. So there's going to be a lot to talk about when we come back with that. After that, I believe our next month, Carl and I are going to, after we hang up, we're going to get together and talk about a little bit about what movies are coming up next, because obviously we're months and months behind. So we're going to see if maybe we shuffle some stuff around to get some episodes we really want to get to, um, get those recorded next. So that's what's coming up next for Measuring Flicks. Carl's done with Wine Club. My schedule has settled, and I'm once again figuring out that there is like a rhythm, a very workable rhythm to life yeah. in my house. I right feel now. like for the rest of this season, we should just do all like mid 90s to early 2000s <laughs> rom coms. <laughs> I mean, look, you could honestly just say 90s like movies. serendipity and shit. Like, I'd watch, watch it, dude. Of, I'd watch Sha- a lot of John Cusack, Shakespeare in Love, and yeah, man. Fuck yeah, dude. Definitely. Romeo Actually, plus I Juliet. wouldn't mind that. I'm, at all. D- I'm down. I'm so, we'll we'll talk. We'll talk off air. Yeah. Thank you all so much for listening. I know we rambled, but we haven't talked to you in forever, and we wanted to give you some bang for your buck. So love y'all. Tune back in when Carl and I will have thrilling discussions about questionable films from the 20s. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and again, thank you all. Thank you all so much for listening, and stay tuned for more measuring flicks. 
Bitch, let's go to Hilbert Quasias. She's the Hilbert Quasias. You're a fucking genius. I don't know why I didn't think of that. Bitch, let's go to Hilbert Quasias.